free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day trial membership at Audible. Visit audible.com slash RFR to browse their unmatched selection of audiobooks and programs. Or text RFR to 500-500 right now to get started today. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one! This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. Hey, Star Wars fans, Jimmy Mack here with you, and welcome back once again to Rebel Force Radio, Star Wars podcasting, coming at you for Friday, March 1st, 2019. Yeah, we're back. I didn't even know if we were going to do a show this week. I'm pretty surprised, actually, but we had so much fun last week with Billy Mack and taking listener calls and voicemail. I wanted to do it again. You can't keep me away from it. Of course, we don't have Jason Swank with us this week. Uh, As I told you last week, Jason had to miss a couple of weeks due to some work commitments, and that's cool. We're holding down the fort for him and keeping his seat warm until he comes back. It's never quite the same without Swank. But we, like I said, we had such a good time last week, you couldn't keep us away from the microphones this week. Despite the fact I have a little bit of the crud I still didn't want to take this week off. There's so much cool stuff happening. It's the first day of March, which means we're only, you know, we can now officially say Star Wars Celebration Chicago is next month. Can you believe it? And, uh, of course, I couldn't do this show alone. With me, my good friend and yours from Chicago, Billy Mac. <laughs> How you doing, everybody? How Good you be- doing? How I- you doing? Hey, hey how you oh, doing? How hey. you doing, everybody? Hey. Loser! <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, what are you doing here? But, so- <laughs> uh... <laughs> hey, good to be back. You got the Brothers Mac. The Brothers Mac. The B... Well, that would be like... Hey, you know, the Bee Gees... Isn't that the B- Brothers Gib? The Brothers right? Gib. So that makes us the BMs. The B- <laughs> Damn. But uh, so we have a lot of good stuff for you guys this week. Like last week, we're going to be very heavily focusing on what you have to say. The RFR voicemail hotline is wide open for business. And uh, people have been leaving a lot of great comments and opinions and all sort of fun stuff on the voicemail. So we're going to crack that open for some unfiltered, unscreened, and... Incredible voicemail messages. So that will be coming up in the second half of the show. Uh, We have some news headlines and some other things. But you know what? As far as the voicemail goes, let's just get into our first one because it's an important one. Because it comes from the man who sits up on top of the mountain in his ivory tower. That's right, Mr. Iger. Hi, Jason. Hi, Jimmy. This is Bob. I've got an exclusive for RFR with listeners. If you go to Sam's Club, Costco, or BJ's, you could have a roast pork in a retro plastic case with the classic racetrack motif for four ninety nine. <laughs> Upon reflection, I think it would have been nice if Palpatine had a bowl of something or other like Java did to nibble on. 
maybe wouldn't have been so consumed with meanness. Walt's frozen head on the Bormach spider droid is chasing me around the park as the uh, Igernauts are trying to finish things on time. The mouse ears he attached to Creepy. Star Wars made Bob cry when he saw the solo receipts for the third week. Oh, oh boy. Take care, gents. Oh, oh short but sweet oh, short with Mr. Iger this week. He, he sounded a little down to me, a little bummed. But, of course, he said he was going through the solo box office receipts. And so when we were talking about crying in Star Wars, what about the saga makes you cry? What what promotes that emotional response from you? Yeah. For Mr. Iger, it's box office receipts from Solo, a Star Wars story. And and, and Bamore, Bamore, Monk? Oh, okay, so Bamore the Bamore, all right, the Bamore, uh, the, the Bomar, the Bomar Monks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bomar Monks, of course, were those spider droids that populated Jabba the Hutt's palace. You can see one in the background of the shot when Luke enters Jabba's palace in Return of the Jedi. You see this mechanical spider thing crossing the uh, doorway there in the background. And the the mechanical spider thing has um, a jar or like a fishbowl with a brain in it, okay? And so... The the Bomar monk spider droids were, uh, it's part of this religious practice. Uh, These monks inhabited Jabba's palace before he moved in there. And so it was like a monastery. And these monks, what they would do as a rite of passage to earn spiritual immortality is they would remove their own brains, place them into a fishbowl filled with liquid, and attach it to these spider droid bodies, right? Right. That's the Bomar Monk. Probably one of my all-time favorite Star Wars characters and certainly <laughs> something that should be considered for a spin-off film. Well, I didn't know that you don't know that you can't really see the brain though in the movie, right? Oh, but it's there. It's it is there. It's I mean, there. I've, I've long since seen the production shots of that thing. Um, Years ago, Hasbro did a mail-away for a Bomar Monk action figure, and that was the only time you were a- able to actually get one of those things it was a mail away there was a lego one that came with the first jabba's palace and it even it had a little bowl on there and you put the little <laughs> you put one little uh lego piece uh the, the red lego piece in there so it looks looks like brains if was it was it brain shaped lego or was it just a normal no lego it was block? just it was like one of those little uh circular tiles that just had yeah. one stud yeah. on it oh, you just right, put that right. in the bowl and and i mean it does you know it does the job it looks like there's <laughs> red you know like a red liquid in there or something um but that you know that, i don't know that that's that's a that's a spooky idea the brain in the bowl um, oh, yeah. and and star wars has Kind of continued with uh, similar concepts, I think, in the recent films. They had that decraniated, remember? The decraniated. That was kind of the reverse idea. That didn't have a person without the brain. Uh, Half of the head lopped off at the top. And then, you know, and then there there was the idea that the, uh, the shadow troopers, wasn't that an idea? That they were like zombified or something? Well, that was that was from the book Death Troopers, and the Death Troopers were like zombie um, stormtroopers. But that was old expanded universe, and of course, Death Troopers now are those tall, black, and uh, cool looking stormtroopers, the decraniated from the Star Wars Rogue One Ultimate Visual Guide. Ghastly medical techniques perfected by a fugitive surgeon known to inhabit the holy city of Jeddah 
have produced an order of servants known as the Decraniated. Now, they should have a spinoff. I would love to see a spinoff. Like, <laughs> you could call it Decraniated v. Bomar Monks. And the whole thing could be about a battle between the Decraniated and the Bomar Monks. But the Decraniated, so, like, the top of their heads are lopped off. Yeah, well, they would complement each other quite well because... <laughs> yeah, one has no <laughs> one brain has and the, the other brain. is nothing but a brain. But, what a uh, wacky pair! <laughs> what They'd a be... crazy pair! <laughs> yeah. Cause they're thoughtless. Put them on the road together. You know, it's kind of like a buddy, uh, like a buddy cop picture. <laughs> the decraniated and, and the Bomar monks. Monk, yeah. That's yeah. That's, that's a like, spinoff. That's Holmes and Yo Yo, basically. <laughs> it's right? Holmes and Yo Yo. Okay, crap. I'm going really deep. All right. If anyone could <laughs> could recall that absurdly obscure reference from the late seventies, <laughs> let us know. Holmes and Yo-Yo. Good Lord. Was that like a CBS series that lasted about two months? I think so. It was not on very <laughs> It was long. a cop with a robot cop partner. And uh, boy, what a weird show that was. Played by John Shuck. Yeah. And it, like he's a familiar face in those old uh, you know, 70 sitcoms and stuff. He showed up in a, a lot of movies too. What's he best known for? Probably Mash, I think. Mash, yeah. He's in the movie Mash. <laughs> he was uh, the guy who... Painless. Uh, yeah, painless. painless Suicide Paul. is painless. Yeah. And yeah, so he was the dentist who they gave him. Yeah, so um, the Decraniated and um, Holmes and Yo-Yo and the Bomar Monks all together in one incredible film that uh, will really make Bob Iger happy when he looks at those receipts, I'm sure. You know, you can catch a quick glimpse of the Decraniated in... A shot from Solo. Solo. Mm-hmm. Drayden Voss has a decraniated servant. And you can see, even though those were characters developed for Rogue One, you don't really see them in Rogue One. I, I think, it, think so. on the streets of Jeddah, you might be able to spot one in the background. Yeah. But in Solo, you get a decraniated servant in a full shot there. Uh, presenting Drayden Voss with like a beverage or something after he kills that uh, Imperial governor or whatever. Yeah, I've warmed up to that design. I thought it was a little too creepy and weird when I first saw it, but now I just, I don't know. I keep thinking about it. It's just so disturbing. (laughs) The Decraney. So what else did Mr. Iger mention in there um, that he wants to start merchandising like actual Porg uh, at Sam's Club where you can go and get it in vintage packaging and, and actually eat it. And so you could cook yourself some Porg. I mean, that wouldn't be so weird. I, I mean, I see, like, mystery meats at, at, at warehouse uh, shops all the time, you know? I mean, it's like, what is that supposed to be? So you can have some porg meat. It'll give Palpatine something to snack on. Much like Jabba was snacking on those frogs, Palpatine will just, like, pull out a porg drumstick and start chomping on it. You know, those are some revolutionary ideas for... The future of Star Wars. So I'm, I'm so thankful we have a visionary like Mr. Iger who can guide the franchise into new great heights. Um, I'm on board. <laughs> I'm on board. You know what? I'm going to. Yeah, I, I just worry that people are going to go to Rotten Tomatoes and give it a bunch of crappy ratings before the uh, decraniated versus Bomar Monk movie comes out. <laughs> I'm really nervous about that. I hope that doesn't happen. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. All right, we do have some news headlines here that I want to burn through before we jump into your listener voicemail. 
And uh, for starters, uh, the big news, I think, is uh, we get some first public statements about Star Wars Episode Nine since it's wrapped from the man himself, J.J. Abrams. Entertainment Tonight caught up with J.J. at the 14th Annual Oscar Wilde Awards at the Bad Robot Facility in Santa Monica on uh, last week. And um, that was the first time I ever heard J.J. really publicly speaking about Episode Nine, And, of course, you know, he offers a lot of non-answers, but still, you know... I think it's important for us to listen to these comments since they are the first he's made since the production is wrapped. Did you see that photo um, that Abrams posted on social media? The wrap? Yeah, the wrap photo that shows Finn, Ray, and Poe in an embrace. And it's obviously an emotional moment for those actors. But for me as a fan, I have trouble finding the emotion seeing those three together since they've shared no time on screen together in the first two films. So it's hard to look at that like Han, Luke, and Leia, the big three from the original trilogy, or even Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Padme, the big three from the prequel trilogy, when you have three characters who have spent minimal screen time together. it's Yeah, it's very surprising that they didn't develop that in the last movie. The first movie I almost understand because, as, as I understand it, uh, Poe was, was – uh, his character was intended to be killed off early in the mm-hmm, film. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that they quite ever saw him as being part of an ensemble like he became – and uh, yeah, really, the time to do that again. I, you know, I don't want to get on a whole Last Jedi thing. No, no, was, we don't want to second guess it. But I'm just, I'm saying from that. like an emotional response for me to see the three together. Even though I'm very familiar with the characters and the actors, seeing them all together yeah. in an embrace has little impact on me because they've shared no screen time together at this point. Right now, of course, there's no questioning the chemistry between Boyega and Ridley. Uh, Finn and 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 Ray, I mean, there's there's no questioning it. They were great in the Force Awakens. Yeah. Well, and and Poe and Finn have have shared some screen time together. Too. Well, of course, so of course. Of, so there's that like indirect thing. But to see all three of them together in some mm-hmm. sort of emotional embrace leads me to believe that we will be getting that void filled finally yeah. in Episode Nine, I where hope we'll so. we'll get to see so. the big three together. I mean, for crying out loud. I wanted them to build a relationship that that would be the core of the whole trilogy, and now that relationship, it's you know we're down to the we're down to the the you know coming up on the finish line here, and that that chemistry between the big three hasn't been developed yet. Um, but you know, that's just uh, how the story has unfolded. So, J.J. Abrams talking about emotions riding high after wrapping Episode Nine. It was actually a, a pretty emotional thing, but uh, the, the, the cast and crew just did an unbelievable job, and I just cannot wait for you to see what, uh, what, what we got going for you. So, yeah, you know, kind of a, a non-answer to the question about emotions riding high. You know, he just, he does say, though, he does reveal his confidence in the film by saying, I can't wait for you guys to see it. So yeah. he obviously thinks he has something, you know? I mean, I don't expect him to say, oh, boy, I don't know. 
If you didn't like the Jet Last Jedi, you're going to really hate Episode Nine. <laughs> what can I tell you? Or, well, they or always, if they, you really love the Last Jedi, you're going to hate Episode they, Nine. They always say it's the you know it's the greatest thing. JJ does have that filmmaker rap when it comes to interviews. It's almost like when the ball player gets confronted with a question. It could be any question, and he'll always say, "Well, you know, we're." trying our best out there on the field and we're really coming together as a team and we're really just taking it one game at a time and it's like no 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 that's such a canned answer so we're getting some canned answers here from jj um so let's see if, if that continues here the next question he was asked was did fan reaction to the last jedi affect his approach to episode nine no, I mean, I, I think that every movie is its own movie, and obviously this is a, a, a trilogy. Um, we brought to that movie all, all the the passion and, and, and hard work that, that we would have no matter what. So I, I think, uh, you know, I think the story speaks for itself. I, I, I really, truly can't wait for you to see it. So, again, more repeating more, his confidence. Yeah. Boilerplate. Boilerplate. I just, I just, <laughs> I just, I just I really can't wait for you to see it. Good. It'll be good. All right. So here's where we get to some good stuff. I mean, where he has to give some kind of honest answer. Yeah. He, he talks about what it was like being in the presence of Billy D. Williams nice. on the set of episode nine. I'd met him once before and, and he was such a sweet guy, but I got to tell you, I have such unbelievable respect for him. Uh, we, had a, we had a great time and he was, uh, he was wonderful. I mean, a, a, everyone on set had this, he just had this aura around him. Um, he's really a, an incredible man and an incredible actor. So I wonder what Billy D. Williams thinks of J.J. Abrams. Hmm. Well, they did. was J.J. on Lost when Billy D. was on it. He did that one episode. Yeah, well, he, well, he was a producer uh, of of Lost. I wonder of course, if that's but, when he met him. You know, well, from what a lot of people tell me is that J.J. was more or less part of the development team for Lost. And once that show really got underway, he wasn't really involved very much. That was always the, my impression. Yeah, in the yeah. day-to-day operations and production of that show. I mean, it was just, you know, um, something he co-created. And um, obviously his team worked on it. So the J.J. influence is probably there at all times. But still on the other side of the coin, it's not like he was there... For each and every um, every episode, he wasn't you know necessarily like directing episodes and things like that. So, but again, I wonder what do I have to telegraph this more? I wonder what Billy D thinks of JJ. Hmm. Hmm. I thought you were going to play some audio there. No, I'm waiting for audio from Billy D. Oh, okay. So what does Billy D think of J.J.? Hmm. Well, you know, J.J., uh, <laughs> he, he's very schooled in the art of, of storytelling and making a dramatic film and working with actors, which, of course, you know, it was something that I connected with with Kershon. I, I really enjoyed working with Irvin Kushner and it kind of reminded me of that experience <laughs> that's great like, wow Kirsch like 
you know, they're both, uh, they're both, there's a connection between the two. They're both like menches, you know, for Billy D, I think is what he's saying. They're like, and of course, Billy D, very well known for his role in loss, uh, most specifically for uttering this quote of the week. Sorry, baby, it's just business. Sorry, baby. <laughs> is that where that came from? Yeah, yeah, See, that's I that guy. I should rewatch Lost. Yeah, but it was just, it was just the one. It was a weird episode. It was like where they took these background characters and did a whole episode of their backstory. Like you couldn't even care less about what their backstory <laughs> was, but their backstory included Billy D. And it, like it was, was he playing himself? I'm trying to remember. It seemed like one one. I don't think so. The the woman was an actress or something, and she was on a show with Billy D. Yeah, I, I can't. It was remember. like some sort of flashback to her uh, her big moment in the sun. Yeah, and it was acting like a, alongside Billy D. Williams. I'm trying to find the full scene here, which I know I have somewhere in my archives, but I'm not coming across it. Just all I all I can find is that just quick one that sorry, baby. Uh, uh, this is all I can find. Sorry, baby, it's just business. I mean, that's a classic quote right there from Billy D. I mean, that that really, that really hits it out of the park right there. So it brings, it brings that smoothness. I mean, the show had a ton of Star Wars. I mean, every week there was some kind of Star Wars reference on that show. You know, that's right. You know, I remember Hurley. Uh, they were all but, big fans. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there was stuff like I remember uh, the character Sawyer and Michael were making a uh, a boat or a raft to try to try to escape, and, and Sawyer goes walking over there, and he goes, "No, this one goes here. That one goes there." Here, let's see if I have that here. Jacob, where is he? He's kind of dead. Turns up whenever he wants, like Obi Wan Kenobi. All right, well, they gave Obi-Wan Kenobi a shout-out there. Uh, but, they, yeah, we're, Sawyer, if Sawyer said anything about, let me tell you something about the galaxy far, far away, Freckles, um, let's... Well, he, yeah. Well, he was Han Solo anyway. And, he, and he, he, one of his nicknames for Hurley was Jabba. Here we go. Here's Sawyer from Lost. Mind if I ask you a question, James? Yeah, I do. Why'd you be Kate behind Wasting your time, Yoda. Yoda. He calls him Yoda. Wasting your time, Yoda. He was a character that was developed that, you know, you wanted to hate him. You know, I mean, it was like you had to hate Sawyer. That's yeah, why he well, was developed. Initially, I, I at first kind of felt adverse to him just because I thought he was such a ripoff of Han Solo. I was like, who is this guy oh. trying to be Han Solo? But... um uh, who's the guy who played him? Josh Holloway. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. I just I grew to like him a lot. Sure. Yeah. Really after great. a while, and, and the did, references yeah. were. I mean, it, the references were just such, it was such a good like in joke. You know, right? That they would just keep th- getting more outrageous and obscure and stuff. It was. Uh, it was. It was, it was a fun. It was a fun character. I think they they uh, they uh, developed him. Very well. You know. Here's another uh, Star Wars reference from Lost. I don't know what this is. What's wrong? Nothing. Carl? I don't know. I just have a bad feeling about this. Oh. <laughs> I got a bad feeling about this. Uh, yeah, no stone left unturned by J.J. Uh, Abrams' writers, uh, Damon Lindelof. Um, Carlton Cuse? Right. 
Uh, here's one where uh, Hurley talks a little bit about Empire Strikes Back. You want to get into my business? Let's get into yours. Give that back. How about we read your little diary? It's not a diary. See what's going on in that piece of granite you call a head. Give it back. Exterior Hoth, a little spy robot thingy, zips through the atmosphere and crashes into the snowy planet below. That's when Chewbacca shows up and blasts it away with his crossbow laser. He shakes his fury fist in the sky in triumph. (laughs) Chewbacca. It's furry. Furry fist. I need a spell check. What the hell is this? I'm running Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, what? It's 1977, right? So Star Wars just came out. And pretty soon George Lucas is going to be looking for a sequel. I've seen Empire like 200 times, so I figured make life easier and send him the script. <laughs> With a couple improvements. That has got to be the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Okay, so I remember that one. So Hurley, yeah, they're time jumping on the show Lost. And I guess they pinpointed that they've gone back to 1977. So Hurley is saving George Lucas the trouble of actually conceiving the story for Empire Strikes Back and writing it himself. If I'm not mistaken, the guy he was talking to is at... uh Oh, I forget the actor's name. Is it Ken Leong or something like that? Oh, yeah. And yes. he's in Force Awakens. Yeah, he is. He is. He, he plays um, a resistance officer. All right. One more, one more from Lost. Here we I, go. I had no idea you had this Lost stuff queued up like this. My dad didn't leave when I was 10. I, I was a baby. I never knew him. I don't want to. It's not happening. That was Luke's attitude, too. What? An empire? Luke found out Vader was his father, but instead of putting on his lightsaber and talking about it, he overreacted and got his hand cut off. I mean, they worked it out eventually, but at what cost? Another Death Star was destroyed, Boba Fett got eaten by the Sarlacc, and we got the Ewoks. It all could have been avoided if they just, you know, communicated. Let's face it. Ewoks suck, dude. Oh, throw it to Ewoks. Well, it it certainly does appear that Hurley is the biggest Star Wars fan on that island. Uh, Um, But, uh, yeah. (laughs) It it sounds like Hurley also is is one of those types, like a Patton Oswalt type of fan who wants to rewrite a lot of Star Wars. That that kind of dissertation of, of... Star Wars always takes me back to Clerks, that scene in Clerks. And, and to me, that's one of the original, legitimate Star Wars and pop culture moments. I mean, nobody was referencing Star Wars in the early 90s like Kevin Smith did in Clerks. That was so uncommon. Now it's everywhere. You see it everywhere. No, and not in that, not in that way either. <laughs> Where, you know, I mean, just the, the whole that whole the whole premise of that conversation was about the innocent people killed on the Death Star, right? I mean, that's right, basically yeah. what it's all about—the contractors yeah. and the and everything else. Yeah. B- believe me, I've had contractors in my house, and a few of them I would like to dispatch to the Death Star and then blow it up. But <laughs> all right, so that's J.J. Uh, Abrams lost and all the Star Wars references. Uh, why did we start going? Oh, because Billy D. Yeah. Sorry, baby, it's just business. So that's how that started before we went down that rabbit hole. Uh, we have more from J.J. Abrams talking about how Episode Nine 
compares to the other trilogy finales like Revenge of the Sith and Return of the Jedi? Uh, you'll have to determine that, you know, yourself, but, um, I, 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 uh, well, I, I, I really can't wait for you to see it. And there, there are, there are a lot of words that we all hope that you feel. Um, and, uh, and, and obviously the, the, the biggest, most important one I think is, is satisfied. Satisfied. Mm-hmm. I like that. Satisfied. Um, you, you heard JJ's wife, Katie McGrath in the background there, and she's responsible for this particular fundraiser, the, the, uh, Oscar Wilde Awards that Bad Robot supports. Um, it celebrates great Irish talents and uh, great Irish contributions to society. And so they've been well, doing that for 14 years. Well, you know, we're waiting. We're waiting for the <laughs> Mac brothers to get the call out to Bad Robot. We shall see. <laughs> um, we have one more clip, and this is a quickie. JJ was asked if he can drop any hints to us about the Episode Nine title. No, but listen, <laughs> but it's really fun talking to you, though. No. <laughs> JJ, is there a title for episode nine right now? No. Uh, JJ, <laughs> uh, can you tell us anything about episode nine right now? No, 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 no. All right. So JJ Abrams standing firm. Uh, like I said, a lot of non-answers, but important to shine the spotlight on this particular moment because it is his first public statements since episode nine has wrapped shooting. Yeah, we are really getting into that territory where we're craving for any little morsel. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm amazed at how tight this is. I mean, it seems to me this is tighter that they're keeping this tighter than any than movie. anything. That we've seen, in, in, you know, since the prequels. I mean, they, when they did Force Awakens, remember they had uh, the charity videos that they would put out occasionally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Force for uh, Force cause, for change. Force, Force for, for change. change yeah. And stuff. Yeah. And you'd get li- you know a little a little sneak peek at the X wing, a creature, something. We're not getting any nothing, of that. Nothing. And I like it that way. Quite honestly, I like it that. I way. I do too. I don't want to know. I don't want to see anything from this movie until it comes out, quite honestly. Now, the reason I watch things like spot TV spots, promotional videos, interviews, trailers, what have you, is because that's all that that's all that is out there. Yeah. But if they didn't put it out there, I would be fine waiting until opening day. The anticipation for trailer releases has really become so tiresome to me as we're approaching episode nine, Mm -hmm. the fifth film of the new era of Star Wars. It seems like when it gets close to that time for some marketing to happen for the film, the fan anticipation has just become overwhelming and not fun. Because people get mad when events like the Super Bowl comes and goes, and they don't get their trailer. Well, why do you think? Why do you think they're? What, make, what makes people so mad now? Why, why is it less enjoyable? People on the internet who run blogs who have sources quote with scoops that never flipping pan out. There was the big thing that was happening by you know like so-called reputable websites that were saying, oh, there's definitely going to be an episode nine trailer dropping before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And when that came and went, they said, oh, no, no. I, I had originally heard it was going to be either Christmas or the Super Bowl. Then when the Super Bowl comes and goes and nothing happens, then those people clam up all together. You know, I, I just don't think it's fair 
to throw out that kind of stuff, to build phony anticipation for something that's not going to happen. Oh. You're going to be dealing with disappointment. And all of that whole process has just become overwhelmingly tiresome to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that being said, I, I can't wait to see the trailer. Right. But I'd rather see the film. <laughs> but we're going to get the trailer before the film, so I'll see the trailer. Yeah, we we live in an age of a lot of anxieties like this. I think yeah. it's just we have so much at our fingertips. I mean, I'm getting to the point, and I talk to people about this uh, and other people, I, I, I'm sure, feel this way that, like, you get home and sometimes you just got to turn the phone off. Yep. I mean, th- literally turn it off and put it on a table in another room. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And just like, because I don't think we always know what's good for us or at least the things that are good for us are not things we want to do we want things right away and uh yeah delayed gratification is is sometimes much sweeter i I think that's 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 the reason why jaws worked so well right the shark didn't work oh couldn't couldn't see it until later in the movie of course so the the build-up paid off very nicely um, but we, we, I don't, I don't, you know, the, the expectation, uh, the, I think that, that that's what you're talking about. It's like these expectations build and people's anxieties just start going through the roof and the speculation is, uh, you know, it doesn't pan out, but it, it, it builds expectations with people. So, so I'll, back, you know, back to JJ, or were you going to say something else? That is all. Okay. (laughs) But back to JJ, he was asked if we're going to be seeing a trailer anytime soon, and he had this to say. No, 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 no. Let that sink in. And that's the show, folks. (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) Ta-da-dun. Ta-da-dun. All right. We have we have some more episode nine interview highlights. This time with an actual actor from the film, Naomi Ackley. Naomi Ackley is uh, making her Star Wars debut in Episode Nine. There's been a lot of rumors surrounding the the nature of her character. Uh, will it be? Uh, you know, of course, people jump to these obvious conclusions. Her, she is Lando Calrissian's daughter, Vera Calrissian. That's what people say. Another rumor out there is that she is Finn's sister. Sister. But, I mean, Finn even said himself, he was taken from a family he never even knew. And so, I mean, how, do, how does that connection happen? I think the Finn's sister thing is a long shot. I think the Calrissian's daughter is more likely. But, I, you know, neither mm-hmm. of the two necessarily need to happen. She doesn't need to be related to anyone. She could be a character on her own, Naomi Ackley. Even her last name is Star Wars, for crying out loud. Remember the Ackley? The Ackley. From, Ac- was it Ackley oh, or Ackley? Oh, it was it's, oh, I screwed that up, I guess. Was, it's an Ackley. A-C-K-L-A-Y. Oh, you know, poor Naomi. <laughs> Sorry to spoil it for you. <clears throat> poor Naomi. I thought she'd be able to ride that wave for her entire career, you know. But no, it's Ackley, Ackley. Damn. God, we were so close. Or she could have been Akbar. Akbar. Naomi Akbar. It's our trap. So uh, we have audio from Naomi. Uh, she appeared at uh, recently at the Newport Beach UK Honors, and she spoke to Ode Entertainment, and they asked her some questions about her role in Star Wars. The first question was uh, they wanted to know uh, if she can say uh, anything to her family about it, and if she does, what was the first thing? How did they react when she told them that she got her Star Wars role? 
are you a Jedi, Naomi? Are you a Jedi, Naomi? And I'm like, I love you, but I can't tell you that. I, 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 I'm keeping some big secrets from my family, and they are, they are hounding me for it, but it's not happening. <laughs> so it's not happening. Do you believe her? Do you think she's not telling, like, her mom or her dad or her if she has a husband? I mean, yeah, I mean, there's just some people in your circle the tightest circle you have where it has to be assumed that they will be in on any secret. Hmm, hmm, I think hmm. Naomi is just saying what she needs to say. I think her whole family knows exactly what she's doing in this <laughs> film. <laughs> I don't know. I trust her. I think that, that there's a lot at stake professionally that uh, she would maybe have that ag- agreement with her with her family that you know hey i can't talk about this and well there is a lot of husband husband and wife situations i think would be much much harder yes yes but i mean there is a lot at stake here and she talked about like what the penalties would be if she revealed any information about episode nine yoda would would emit from the air as a as a jedi ghost and strangle me to death (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I, I, I guess that's actually part of the um, the NDA that they sign, uh, where the penalty is revealed that Yoda, Yoda will materialize and strangle you to death. Now, see, that seems very unlike. It's very out of character. A, very out of character. That's like she should have said Darth Vader strangle would materialize. Oh, no. I can't yes. do it. <laughs> Information you revealed. <laughs> strangle yes. you, I will. There you go. <laughs> So uh, uh, she continued to talk a little bit more about episode nine, most specifically. I, I love the laughter. I, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. That really makes that clip. You know, Yoda comes out of the sky and rips your eyeballs out of your head, you know. Yeah. As a, as a, listen, listen. As a, as a Jedi ghost and strangle me to death. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing cute about that. How would you like it if a 900-year-old Jedi suddenly <laughs> appeared and strangled you to death? Number one, you'd probably have a heart attack by his mere presence. <laughs> yeah, I know. The strangling would just be, you know, totally unnecessary. <laughs> but, so, okay, so Naomi does, she does, you know, inadvertently offer us a little bit, a tiny, tiny little bit about uh, her character and, and who she's going to be interacting with in the Star Wars universe when she talked about who she loved being on the Episode Nine set with. I think my, my absolute favorites were the, like, Star Wars new originals. I loved being with John and Daisy and Oscar. And, yeah, it was, it was brilliant to, to share this, the screen with them. Such brilliant energy. It's brilliant. So there you hear that she, she shared screen time with, with all the big three. We don't necessarily know if they're all together, right. but I would assume I would assume they are. I think we're going to be seeing the big three together, like we were talking about earlier. I think we're going to be seeing more of that in episode nine. I think that's essential. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good guess. You know, I, I think it's really important by episode nine that you have these new characters that you really, you know, bent over backwards to... Um, establish almost at the point of sacrificing a lot of 
what made the original character so great, you know? I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the, the the chemistry between the three in the original film, I mean, was something that that really sustained the whole series. Yes. I mean, they were separated for very large portions of the other films, but you. I don't know. You always felt that they were connected, and and so it made it very mm-hmm. sweet when they finally were together at the end of the of the of the third film, uh, Return of the Jedi. Well, not only just at the so end, though like they the did. Reverse. You know, the big three did wage briefly the in the attack yeah. on Endor altogether. I mean, they approached it together, and then Luke had to split to go do his thing. But you do get that, yes. and that's that is a great reunion. Oh know? yeah, where Luke we, just kind of comes. Yeah, <laughs> waltzing in with "I'm coming too" or whatever he says. Yeah, it, it, those moments are awesome. But they they come at um, you know they they they're awesome because of uh, of of what was established already in the chemistry and our 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 desire to see them back together again. This is almost doing a reverse of that. Mm-hmm. At least it seems to be. I mean, it, it, it's all. It's all speculative, but I, I think you're right, though. I think they will try to uh, have them come together and compare notes and hopefully connect in the ways that we would like to see them. Absolutely. Now, Richard E. Grant, another newcomer to the Star Wars saga, uh, he's been cast as, um, we, we believe he's going to be an Imperial officer. We've seen some leaked character photos, reference photos, uh, which uh, definitely... Uh, Confirms that, that he's going to, or a first order officer, I should say. <clears throat> and Richard E. Grant, I, I got to admit, I'm not too familiar with this gentleman or his career, but he seems to already have a very solid fan base. And I mean, let's face it, he was he nominated for the Academy Award this year for uh, Best Supporting Actor Thank in you. Can You Ever Forgive Me? So he uh, definitely uh, is someone who's very. He's been around for a, a, a long time, but mm-hmm. he, he. I'm 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 like you. I don't really. I can't really think of anything I know him from, specifically, other than uh, he was in uh, Robert Altman's The Player. Mm-hmm. But but like kind of as a side character, he seems to have been on the fringe of, of a lot of good movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he's like that. Uh, that is that that quintessential. Supporting character, yeah. right? Right. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, Gosford Park. I, 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 I think with, with the, the nerds, film? I think with the nerds, he gained a lot of uh, respect in his role uh, in the Logan film. The Logan film with uh, Jackman. Yeah, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. That's right. Yeah, Gosford Park. That was a like a British movie, but that was made by Robert. Altman, I I bet you he's he's probably been in a couple of Robert Altman movies. That's two right there. Yeah, well he's he's had a, a vast long career and he's he's appeared in a ton of films. So uh, he he seems like um, a real good candidate for an evil officer, a bad guy. You know, in the tradition of Tarkin. Yeah, I and can see that. Uh, Veers. He seems kind of like a General Veers type to me. You know, mm-hmm. I could see him putting on the helmet and hopping into the cockpit of an ad yeah. But uh, so Richard E. Grant, he appeared on Jimmy Kimmel Live. He was doing a little bit of a, um, you know, hitting the media circuit a little bit in the talk shows to promote his Oscar nomination. And uh, he didn't win, of course. Um, but uh, Richard E. Grant uh, spoke a little bit about Episode Nine. I Well... 
Kimmel, Jimmy Kimmel, tried to put the screws to him to get some information out of him about episode nine. And again, you know, here he is um, continuing the the strategy of of absolutely revealing nothing. And I like that. I like that going into episode nine. I don't want to know anything, you know? I don't want to see the novelization on store shelves a month before the film comes out like it was in the <laughs> old days. I never understood that practice either. I, um, nowadays, they're smart about it, and they put the novelization out after the film comes out. But uh, Richard E. Grant... He, uh, trying to keep as tight-lipped as possible as Jimmy Kimmel is interrogating him about episode nine. You are in the new Star Wars movie as well. Is that, we can say that, right? Yes. Yes. That's probably all you can say? Oh, it comes out on the 20th of December, 2019. (laughs) We know that too. You do? Yes. Yes. I I, I haven't even told my wife uh, and daughter the name of my character because as you can see i'm a blabbermouth and I, th- I i i value my knees and i don't want to get fired or removed from the movie so would i haven't the told name anybody. give someone an indication of would the name itself tell us anything about the plot of the film sorry what i said would the, <laughs> would the name itself tell us anything about the plot of the film <laughs> I see. J.J. Abrams has clicked off your hearing. He has. <laughs> yes. He's very powerful. He, really he has. Presses a I've just got that, oh, my goodness, yes. On BBA. No. <laughs> yes, J.J., no, I'm fine. <laughs> okay, well, so he's not revealing anything. Um, the, the whole idea, the title, the title reveal, I, I still don't think they're 100% on what that title's going to be. Mm-hmm. I, you know? I mean, crap, even George Lucas... Uh, you know, did a bait and switch when it came to episode six back in 1983. It was going to be Revenge of the Sith or Revenge of the Jedi. And then at the last minute, he changed it to Return of the Jedi. And that actually cost him a lot of money because a lot of stuff had already gone out to licensees and merchandising and it was being produced under the Revenge of the Jedi title. And so George had to pay out of his own pocket to get all that fixed. Oh, it's Return. But uh, <laughs> uh, but so there's Richard E. Grant not giving us any information at all. So uh, I, I love the tight-lipped approach. I really do. And uh, I, I'm thankful that there's some serious mystery surrounding Episode Nine because this is it. You know, I mean, this is the end of the road. It's, anything could happen here. Uh, we really have to brace ourselves. This may be a dumb question, but J.J. Uh, is scripting this movie, right? J.J. with Chris Terrio, another screenwriter. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess it just depends on what the process is. You know, it's like uh, musicians uh, sometimes write the lyrics for things before they even have the music done. Sure. You know, I suppose there's probably screenwriters who have a title at the very beginning before they've even put pen to paper. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but I, th- yeah. I, think, I think you're right. I think there's a reason why we don't have it yet. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they would have tapped Lawrence Kasdan, but I think Kasdan is done. I don't think he's ever going to do Star Wars again. After Solo, uh, I think he was resistant to do Solo even after The Force Awakens because it was so labor-intensive to make Episode Seven happen that when they came back to him after that was completed and they said, okay, well, we're, we're ready to get into your Solo thing, and he's like... That's still on the table. So he was, you know, that's why he brought in his son, John Kasdan, to help him shoulder the heavy load of, of creating this, 
the script. I, I don't think that there was much gas in Kasdan's tank after episode seven. I think he really was uh, feeling himself being stretched a little too thin. But the solo thing happened, and I do know that Kasdan has made the definitive statement that he is not going to be working on Star Wars films anymore. Do you I'll, do you do, do Kasdan? Do you have a Kasdan? I do a little bit. He's he's kind of like floating, yeah. but he's, yeah, he's, he's a little kind of like a little shaky. <laughs> <laughs> no, now that's no. You're doing too. <laughs> no. I I you know I I got to admit, Kasdan yeah, is it yeah. the type of guy who's been out there featured in so many interviews uh-huh. to the point of. You know, where I was saturated enough with his his presence on screen to actually develop a solid impersonation of him. But he's kind of like that. <laughs> so I talked to George. Yeah, right, right. That's it. No, you that. got it. You got it. <laughs> you got it. Of course, you got it. You're a film freak. But so uh, once again, uh, <laughs> Richard, Richard E. Grant, he did not win the Academy Award. He... Uh, was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And I believe it went to a... a who, who did that award go to? Do you know, Bill? Supporting Actor? That was <laughs> um, the fellow that was starring in The Green Book. Oh, right, right. Ali. I can't remember. Okay, first. so yeah. yeah. So Richard E. Grant didn't win. Um, Kylo Ren also didn't take home the gold. No. Adam Driver, who was nominated for his role in Black Klansman. I thought Adam was pretty good in that film. And Solo was nominated for an Academy Award in Visual Effects, and that went to First Man, the uh, film about uh, the... Uh, Neil Armstrong. Uh, yeah, Neil Armstrong in the uh, moon landing of 1969. Star Wars took home nothing at the Academy Awards, but there was plenty of Star Wars presence throughout the entire broadcast. I was live-tweeting during the uh, the show and uh, putting up some uh, screen grabs of, of certain Star Wars things that jumped at me throughout the broadcast. Uh, the first thing I saw was um, at the very beginning, there was a clip from Solo, a very brief clip that showed uh, Chewie and, and um, Sagwa, where they do that little headbutt with each other on the planet Kessel in Solo. Uh, they showed that very briefly in the opening montage. Um, an unexpected Star Wars and pop culture reference happened as they were showing clips from nominated documentaries. And there was a brief shot, this brief shot of a kid from this movie called Hale County, uh-huh. a documentary called Hale County. And it's a, a kid sitting in the uh, shopping cart while his mom's shopping and he's holding a Star Wars toy. It's like an action figure. You see it? Oh, yeah. So I, you know, everyone's been trying to figure out what is that action figure the kid has, but nobody actually wants to sit down and watch the documentary Hale County to figure <laughs> it out. So that's all we have from there. Of course, Amelia Clark, Kira from Solo, was at the Oscars and uh, she was there to uh, to be a presenter. A clip from uh, animated feature nominee Ralph Rex the Internet showed stormtroopers. See, did you see that? I did see that, yeah. Now, something really interesting. Um, I got one reaction to this this they're, tweet. They're first order stormtroopers. Oh, right? yes, first yeah. order stormtroopers. I got one reaction to this tweet. Star Wars and pop culture, clip from animated feature nominee Ralph Rex the Internet with stormtroopers featured on Oscars. And so I have the screen cap and everything in my tweet. It's all pretty. And I got 
some likes on it, but only one comment. And that was from former head writer of the Clone Wars, Henry Gilroy, who just simply responded to the photo with, with uh, one word, yuck. What? I was like, what does, does Henry not like? What, what is Henry saying yuck about? I haven't responded to Henry yet. And I want to know, Henry, why do you not like Ralph? Or do you not like First Order Stormtroopers? What's the yuck here? Huh. That, that, that calls for an investigative It sure does. It report. sure does. And, and I would, wish I would have had a little more time. But Henry actually just responded to this tweet uh, just a, a few hours ago. Yuck. Look, Henry Gilroy. Yeah. Yuck. Huh. Look at his... What's a, what is he going... I, I have no idea I have what no he's idea responding either. to there. So I'm going to have to reach out to Henry. I haven't talked to Henry in a while, but... Maybe I'll do it on. Maybe I'll tweet at him, or maybe I'll send him an email or something. Just, what, what's your deal, man? Yeah. <laughs> what don't you don't like stormtroopers, or you don't like Ralph? Uh, you know, kids love that wreck it, Ralph. I mean, come on. I, maybe just you know, whatever. Um, another okay. We mentioned that Solo, a Star Wars story, did not take home the uh, visual effects Oscar. Um, Samuel L. Jackson was on stage at Oscar uh, 2019, looking good. Looking good. I gave him hashtag bad mother. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, Pulp Fiction, he has that Absolutely. wallet. He's got that the wallet. Says, well, and he uses, the one he uses that mother. term quite yes, a bit. Yes, he sure does. Himself. Yes, he does. He, he <laughs> that's can, really part of his, that, that's yeah. all in, in his image wheel. Yeah, that's yeah. That's sure. like a brand mark yeah. for him. I want you to go in that bag and find my wallet. Which one is it? It's the one that says bad mother. <laughs> Um, great to see composer Ludwig Gorenson. I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong. Ludwig Gorenson. Um, he took home the Oscar for his uh, work composing music for Black Panther. Ludwig is also the composer for The Mandalorian, which also recently oh, wrapped shooting. How old is this guy? He looks so young. He looks young, yeah. I mean, he looks like he's... Uh, actually, I did the math because he does mention being in college and says it was... 12 years ago or something like that. So let's get into some controversy. Boy, he looks... All right. Are we going to In Memoriam? Yes, we are. I I (laughs) caught this one right away because when they kicked off the In Memoriam segment, which is always a very interesting thing to watch because you... It it was underscored by a piece from uh, Superman the Movie. By John Williams. Yes, I did. Beautiful... Mm -hmm. uh, ...piece, and I I don't know what the title of it is, but I recognized it. And... uh, you know, I say thankfully, there wasn't too much star power in the In Memoriam segment this year. Yeah, sure, you had Burt Reynolds and a few other very notable yeah. Hollywood legends. Margot that, Kidder. Margot Kidder that we lost over the last year. But um, there were none of those moments where it's like, oh, I forgot we lost him. Oh, we lost yeah. her. You know, it was a lot of behind-the-scenes people. And one of those behind-the-scenes people, which I, was, I, I thought was a beautiful tribute, was Gloria Katz, writer and producer, was featured during the In Memoriam segment. Yeah. Of course, uh, Gloria was a Lucas collaborator and a Star Wars script doctor for the original film. There's um, many, many lines of dialogue that she and her husband, Willard Hike went and punched up character moments, mm-hmm. Han Solo moments, the, you know, hey, hey, sweetheart, you know, we're talking to the princess and all that stuff. That all came from Gloria and, and Willard. 
So I was I was thankful to see she got the tribute, but I couldn't believe that the segment wrapped up without acknowledging the passing of Star Wars producer Gary Kurtz. Wow. How do you I mean, you're showing like talent agents and stuff in this reel and you you blow off the producer of some of the biggest films in Hollywood history. You know, uh, there's always some glaring omissions every year with, with this. Uh, Gary was brutal, and I, I, I remember one year um, Roy Scheider was not mm, he mm. passed away. Now here's the thing with with Scheider because I remember this caused a big uh, discussion online and stuff. He died in February, mm-hmm. uh, right around the time of of the Academy Awards show. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, some representative from the Academy came and said, well, you know, the in memoriam is, is, is intended to be from the year, you know, prior. So he'll, he'll, he'll make the next one. Um, and I, I don't think he ever showed up by the way. Um, so th- there were some recent deaths that, that I think people were, were kind of upset about, but apparently they, they're too recent to be included because they, they're sure. But, you know, but Kurtz, Kurtz died Kurtz, in September. Kurtz died in September. Mm. And it got me thinking. Another omission was Sandra Locke, who, who was Clint Eastwood's girlfriend and was in a number of movies with him. Um, if you grew up in the 70s, I'm sure you saw he, she did about five or six movies with, with Clint. They had a very bad falling out. And uh, she, um, it, it was a very public thing. I mean, I'm not going to get into all, all the dirt about, about, about what happened between her and Clint Eastwood. But I do know that Sandra Locke, after that relationship ended, she tried very hard to get into uh, production work, behind the scenes work. And was met with uh, doors slammed in her face. Gary Kurtz seems to have kind of dropped out of Hollywood. I, I'm just wondering how much of that politic plays into this mm. stuff. I mean, I don't know I who decides these here. things. I think you're on Sa- something Sandra here, Sandra Locke seems like a pretty big omission yes, to me. Yes. She was actually nominated for an Academy Award. Um, wow. And... And she died, I think, around the same time Kurtz did. It's been a few months, um, so I don't. I, I guess I don't know. I guess once you, they, you kind of get a certain label put on you, and they they're done with you. I, I, it's it almost seems that way to me. I, you know, I mean, after Kurtz uh, was was uh, through with Lucas, I mean, he did do a few films, uh, Dark Crystal yep. and Return to Oz. Yep. Um, but then he did seem to kind of. Uh, fall off the the Hollywood map anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he had attempted several times to uh, get back into film production um, on, a, on a bigger scale. Mm. I, does that play into it? Maybe. Or, you know, uh, George, of course, has always been very notable about his um, defiance to the Directors Guild. And uh, maybe uh, Kurtz was involved in some of that uh, politicking yeah. as well. I don't. That I don't know. I can't. I can't say definitively. Uh, I've never heard any, you know, talk about Gary Kurtz in relation to George's falling out with the Directors Guild of America. 
which all comes down to the fact that he did not include credits at the beginning of the original Star Wars. Yeah, well, he got kicked out of the guild. <laughs> because of that. Yeah. And nowadays... did they fine him? I think he had to pay some big fine and stuff. Oh, yeah. And nowadays with movies, you don't even get the title at the beginning of the film, for crying out loud. <laughs> like, minimal credits. And that's something that George really pioneered. Um, wow. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah, I think it, it, there could be a political reason behind Kurtz's omission. Yeah, and of course to all of us growing up with Star Wars and 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 American Graffiti and stuff, I mean, he was somewhat of a personality because he was on all these documentaries. Yes, he was. So yes, he I was. Just, yeah, really disappointing. Wow. And then, of course, one last highlight from the Oscars. Green Book took home the Academy Award for Best Picture, and Green Book producer Charles B. Wessler, he's a guy who's collaborated with uh, the um, uh, with the Fairley Brothers for forever. Um, he dedicated the the Best Picture Oscar to Carrie Fisher. Hey, uh, thanks very much for this for the Academy. But I just want to uh, dedicate this to our great. Oh, you can't hear me. I want to dedicate it to our great friend Carrie Fisher. And never gave any reason why or anything. I mean, you know, um, Hollywood is uh, kind of a, a you know tight community, especially uh, when you, you talk about people who go back several decades. Uh, something about Charles Wessler that I think a lot of people don't recognize is that he was a production assistant on Return of the Jedi. And there's a picture here of him oh, okay. with Carrie, and they're wearing Scout Walker driver helmets. Yeah, that's a great picture. I've seen that. So they go all the way back to Return of the Jedi. Uh, Fisher and Wessler even go back farther than that. They knew each other as kids. They grew up in Hollywood together. So um, a lot of people are wondering why Carrie was uh, included in the acceptance and uh, that's exactly why, you know, um, there's there's been like some criticism about that, too, for some reason, because people just love to complain. But I'm explaining to you exactly why uh, Charles Wessler dedicated the Best Picture Oscar to Carrie Fisher and explain to you their their connection. They, they were lifelong friends. Um, I could definitely see Carrie Fisher falling into the sort of humor that Fairley Brothers films typically have. I mean, that seems like Carrie Fisher type humor. And so you could imagine that Well, something about the Fairley Brothers movies. I mean, they're they're they can get pretty filthy, but they 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 all have a, a real heart to them. Yes. Yes. Which is an interesting dynamic. You think about, you know, there there's something about Mary. Even Kingpin. I mean, you know. Even the Three Stooges. Which wasn't half bad. I mean, when you think about I, it, I mean, the perception of a Three Stooges movie in the 2000s sounds dreadful. But if you ever get a chance to see that movie, it's actually not bad. I got to say. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I'll check it out. Star Wars Celebration. Like we said at the top of the show, it's only next month Star Wars Celebration Chicago is happening. And that gives you the opportunity to see RFR live in Chicago. Tickets are on sale now. Join us next month for RFR live in Chicago at Reggie's, 2105 South State Street, about a mile away from McCormick Place and Star Wars Celebration Chicago. 
Join us Thursday night, April 11th, following the first day of the convention. We will be doing a live podcast from the music joint at Reggie's. Doors open at 8 p.m., podcast kicks off at 9, and we are going to hang out until we get kicked out. $25 in advance, $30 at the door. This will be a party you don't want to miss as RFR Live in Chicago invades Reggie's. Get your tickets now before they're gone. And we are going to have a great time. This is going to be a real party at Reggie's. Reggie's is just this great rock club in Chicago. And uh, we're really looking forward to making Reggie's rock. And we can only do it with you guys. So get your tickets now. Unfortunately, tickets are not available in advance for overseas listeners. I'm so sorry about that. I wasn't anticipating that. But that's just the fact. And so if, uh, you know, I, I know, um, at least in our the RFR Patreon group, members have bought tickets for other listeners who are coming in from overseas, and uh, then they make arrangements uh, to, you know, transfer the tickets for money. Um, I, I you know, I, I can't say for sure if there's going to be admission available on the day of the events. It's quite possible it will sell out. I don't know. Um, this is all being taken care of by Reggie's and not us here at Rebel Force Radio. So uh, they'll shut off sales when necessary. But at least in my experience going to music clubs in the Chicago area, uh, it doesn't seem like anything ever sells out. They're going to jam as many people into that room as possible. <laughs> So that might be what's happening at Reggie's. I would recommend if you are from overseas to uh, reach out to other Rebel Force Radio listeners on Facebook at the unofficial Rebel Force Radio group, the URFR, the UFR, UFR. Uh, and that, that's a private group you can join on Facebook. Just look for unofficial Rebel Force Radio Facebook group. And I know some people have been taken care of over there. So uh, give that a shot. Um, you know, I mean, sure, I could go and buy tickets for people from overseas who are coming and uh, sell it to them that way. But you know what? I just, that's not that's not a can of worms I want to open right now. So if you can find fellow listeners who will pick up the slack for you, then I recommend doing it that way. If, if you're in the States, go and get your tickets now. What are you waiting for? $25 in advance. What a bargain compared to some of these other parties. There's this huge party going on at the Museum of Science and, and Industry on Thursday night, the same night as our event, and they're charging $125 again, $100 more than what we're asking for at RFR Live in Chicago at Reggie's. Yeah, sure, they have heavy hors d'oeuvres and open bar. But if I know anything about the 501st, you're going to be waiting in line for a drink for a long time. So, uh, <laughs> hey, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, you know, I love to have a lot of drinks myself. But uh, if you're paying that much money to go to an event, uh, you don't want to be waiting in line forever for uh drinks or anything. Uh, $25 gets you into Reggie's and uh, whatever, you know, it'll be a cash bar, but I I still think you'll get more value out of the money you spend in a night with us than just about anywhere else in the city of Chicago. So that's RFR Live in Chicago at Reggie's. 
just a mile away from the convention center. It's going to be awesome. You're not going to want to miss it. Jason will be there. I'll be there. We're going to have special surprise guests. Who knows? Maybe even a few celebrities will pop by. You're going to find out April 11th at Reggie's, wrapping up the first night of the convention with RFR. It's going to be a blast. Also, our Patreon community, we have a special event planned just for you. Look for an announcement about that happening this weekend, along with tickets that will be available for you for that event. That's a Saturday night event happening the week of Star Wars Celebration Chicago. But everyone else, please, don't wait. Get your tickets now. Visit Reggie'sLive.com to get your tickets, or just look for the link at rebelforceradio.com. May the force be with you. May the force be with you. May the force be with you. Cool. Well, yeah. I haven't heard that theme in a while. <laughs> Very cool. You do a great job on that bass line, by the way. Oh, thanks, man. I, you know, I'm just laying, laying down the funk, you know, getting the <laughs> funk out. Good times are coming. I, Man, I hope, uh, yeah, our fans from overseas can can make it and and i hope we we don't create a scalpers market we've got to keep it on the up and up people keep it fair <laughs> scalpers. <laughs> so uh, oh we do have one last news story uh this is pretty cool uh have you seen the video star wars always it just launched this week and it's out there it's an amazing compilation of all the great scenes from every star wars film compiled together to one super tight trailer and it was produced by a couple of rfr buddies Topher grace of course you know Topher from that 70s show eric foreman and everything i mean he was in black, black Klansman Klansman. as well yeah. he played david duke david in that duke. he was fantastic in that and you know topher has been great in every film role i've ever seen him in going back to traffic with benicio del toro years and years ago mm-hmm. but most people know him best as eric foreman from that 70s show and along with our friend jeff yorks who we know jeff because he produced a great movie about legendary film poster um, artist Drew Struzan. Um, And so uh, Jeff Yorks, uh, let me punch up the information on the Drew Struzan (coughs) documentary. Uh, But yeah, we go way back with Jeff. Um, He was telling us about the Drew Struzan documentary when it was like a mere idea in his head. It's called Drew, the man behind the poster. And I'm pretty sure you can catch it um, on Amazon or other streaming services. Uh, you definitely want to check it out. It's, um, it's all about the life and work of poster artist Drew Struzan, who created so many incredible Star Wars film posters from the original trilogy and the prequels. And also he did one for The Force Awakens, too. But for the most part, he is retired from that business. And it was only Star Wars that could bring him out of retirement to create a poster for uh, The Force Awakens. Yeah, he's an amazing... He he did a lot of other well-known movie posters, right? Back to the Future, I think, was was his... So uh, Jeff Yorks was a writer on the Drew Struzan documentary, and Jeff is a filmmaker, and he hooked up with Topher, and they put together this incredible piece of video work called Star Wars Always. So you want to check that out. We talked to Topher years ago, five years ago, about film editing and Star Wars because Topher had created an edit of the prequel 
trilogy, he took all the prequels and boiled it down into one film. And they did this uh, legendary screening in Hollywood for all of these film website guys and bloggers. And I know, I, I think Kyle Newman orchestrated that whole event. Did you ever get to see that? That hour and a half edit? Man, I don't remember if I saw the whole thing or not. I do know it was really focusing heavily on Anakin's story more than anything else. He did a pretty good job with it. But see, Topher was just trying to learn how to... It was an exercise. It was an exercise. And so he wanted to work with material that he was most familiar with. And there are few film projects out there that Topher's more familiar with than Star Wars. Probably none. So he wanted to work with um, a property um, and uh, you know, work of uh, filmmaking that he was intimately familiar with and he could really wrap his head around it. And so he chose Star Wars. And uh, he told us a few years ago about how he got into editing Star Wars films as more or less a hobby but he, he definitely had some uh, professional motivation behind that as well. I had given really bad notes on a film that I had produced, and I kind of I had I had wanted to learn how to edit, so I didn't give terrible notes. I mean, I, I don't want to be an editor, um, and I'm not good enough to be an editor. But I I thought at least I could, you know, the way a director might take an acting class before he starts directing a film. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I I ordered a avid editing system and and just started to try editing and i had a tutor come to my house and uh i wanted to cut on something that was that i wasn't in uh, because i thought that would get too kind of vain and then also uh something that had a lot of footage and i couldn't get my hands on any movie you know no one give me dailies from their films so i thought oh I, i i love star wars and uh there's enough footage here because there's three movies to maybe tell one kind of streamlined story. So I started, I put them back to back to back. I mean, you guys have probably heard this story, but I I had like nine and a half hours and I kind of whittled it into an hour and a half. So there you go. I mean, he was just basically teaching himself how to become a film editor and using Star Wars as his practice field. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool if you can do it. So if you're more interested in hearing that full interview... Check out RFR on YouTube. We just launched a new playlist this week in the Cantina Star Wars Interviews, where we feature that Topher Grace interview in its entirety, along with the first time we ever spoke to Ashley Eckstein, a very candid and laid-back conversation I had with Darth Vader actor David Prowse, uh, the first time we talked to James Arnold Taylor, Jat, the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi, And uh, the first time I actually sat down with Mark Hamill at Star Wars Celebration Japan. So those interviews are available right now on the RFR YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Radio. And uh, I want that to be a place where you can just hear things on demand and rediscover stuff we've done in the past or discover it for the first time. We've been podcasting for a long time. And... There's a lot of stuff that is even a revelation to me hearing it after all these years, especially that David Prowse interview. I was like, my God, we got deep. He talked about how his relationship with Lucasfilm had become strained over the years because of various press leaks that he 
may or may not be responsible for. And he also talked a little bit about his experience on the set of Return of the Jedi, which was not a good experience for David Prowse. So uh, that's an interview you don't want to miss, and it's all available right now in the Cantina Star Wars Interviews on the RFR YouTube channel. Also, you'll find playlists featuring the Billy D quotes of the week, RFR Rewind featuring funny and unusual moments from over the years, Sheldon Norton's RFR documentary series, When the Galaxy Listens, The Filoni Files featuring highlights of conversations we've had with Dave Filoni over the years. And, of course, you'll find the weekly RFR there. Every time we we launch a show, the entire show is available on YouTube. If that is your desired way of consuming podcasts, you can get it all right there. YouTube.com slash Rebel Force Radio. All right, before we open up the listener voicemail hotline and, and move on, uh, Bill, I, I didn't really hear uh, your thoughts about Star Wars Always, the new Star Wars trailer that, that was developed by uh, Topher Grace and Jeff Yorks. So what do you think about that? I got to tell you, that that little montage really uh, gave me the chill. You know, it was like a, a compilation of all the chill-inducing moments from the series, but uh, connected in a way... Uh, that really heightened it. It was it was very you know listening to that old interview you did with him a few years ago was highly relevant because you could see how I, I mean it, it seems like he's really grown at the craft of 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 using film clips to 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 tell us a narrative um, because the way that is compiled it's like you know back in the day. You'd make mixtapes. I don't know how much you yeah. got into. I used to get so into that, sitting down on the floor with stacks of CDs and going through it. And you start to realize, um, you make choices sometimes uh, for the dynamic of the whole thing, <laughs> the whole listening experience. You know, there might be a really obscure track that's cool, and you want to get it in there someplace, but you never quite find the spot right, for it. Yeah, or you learn from having like shoehorn things onto mixtapes before that it doesn't always work. That you have to kind of have a, a certain kind of flow there. So it was really interesting to see the 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 material he used because there's stuff in there. He's got Rogue One tied up to the uh, New Hope. He's got some audio on there uh, that was only in trailers. Um, he's there, there's a Princess Leia line on there that I'm not sure where he got it from. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it came from the uh, screen test or what, where she's like, "I've had enough of you, moon jockeys," or something like yeah. that. Yeah, where did and that it, come? Yeah, from? I, I don't know. I didn't recognize. It must it have right been away. from an outtake because if you notice at the very beginning of the trailer. He features an outtake. Luke working on the moisture evaporator, looking up with his micro binoculars to witness yeah. the duel between the Star Destroyer and Princess Leia's Rebel Blockade Runner. So, uh, I mean, obviously, that wasn't part of the film. I, he was dipping into all sort of different resources yeah. beyond, and it was very the effective. I mean, it's just the, the flow of it was very effective yes. because. He has, you know, Biggs talking to Luke about joining the rebellion. Biggs, and it, Biggs, and it's intercut with scenes of uh, the Rebel Alliance in Rogue One. You know, so it's really cool to see how those are juxtaposed. 
Um, I mean, it just it makes the scope of the saga so huge. I really loved it. That's all I could say. I mean, it's for a Star Wars fan, it goes deep, right? But not too deep. Uh-huh. It's like it just it hits the right emotional notes. I don't know how to. I mean, he's got he's got the just the right Obi Wan quote for you know for a clip he's showing from Episode Three. And it's it and it's a it's a it's a very clean narrative the way he's got the clips together. It's not just the cool parts; it's actually interrelated in a very um, dynamic way. Uh, so yeah, definitely check that thing out. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it again. So for a guy who's a, both a Star Wars freak and a film freak like you, you say that. These guys are, are hitting I, yeah, it on all yeah. cylinders. I there. really admired the craft of it because it does. It just it hits that emotional dynamic. I mean, that's what it's all about. That, the, yes, yes. You the know, emotional dynamic. And wow, it, just the, yeah, just the right moments. I I thought it was great that scene. He's got that scene with with Han in Force Awakens where he's like, ah, I thought it was a bunch of mumbo jumbo. What a force, you know, mm-hmm. holding good and evil together. It's like that's such a great choice to have that in there because it it uh, there was one thing I really liked about Force Awakens, it kind of brought it back to a certain simplicity. It, that's a very kind of general statement. It's a force that, you know, de- holds good and evil together or whatever whatever Han says there. Um Mumbo jumbo, yeah, but that—that's really the spirit of the whole saga—is that type of stuff. You know, it's distilling these very philosophical, spiritual ideas and 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 very accessible ways. And so he he takes that emotional note that you know Han is is kind of accepted this this reality of 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 a supernatural world, and it's 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 intercut with things from a new hope and even solo there's some solo stuff in there yeah, too it's, yeah. it's just it's really really well uh, yeah well it, it does a great job of making every film in the saga become interrelated interrelated yeah. it, it's fantastic so uh great job Topher. great job jeff yorks I reached out to Jeff, and I was like, wow, that was unexpected. And uh, he says, thanks so much, dude. Unexpected is the perfect word for it, for everyone who seems to be digging it, and for us as far as its reception. It's been kind of nuts. So good for Jeff, good for Tulfer, a couple of great guys, good Star Wars fans, friends of Rebel Force Radio, doing stuff to actually contribute to the joy of the saga. It, so. un, it unites the whole thing. It I sure mean, does. You know, yeah. it, it makes you look at the whole thing, and despite whatever uh, uh, issues that people have been butting heads about, it, it you look at this montage, and it's like it, 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 it's all interrelated. It's all one big thing. That that really is the cool uh, accomplishment of, of, of that clip. So Absolutely. Highly Blue recommend Mac. it. Couldn't agree with you more. What would it be like if we all simply listened more? I mean, what would that be like? Could listening make you a better parent, a better leader, a better person, a better Star Wars fan? Well, the answer is yes. With Audible, you get access to an unbeatable selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, motivation, mysteries, thrillers, memoirs, and yes, Star Wars. 
Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet. Like Star Wars Thrawn Alliances, written by Timothy Zahn and narrated by Mark Thompson. I have sensed a disturbance in the Force. Emperor Palpatine paused, stretching out his thoughts to the two men standing before his throne, awaiting their reactions. No, not men. Of course not men. Men were insignificant, pitiable creatures, fit only to be ruled or intimidated or sent to die in battle. These were far more than mere men. A Chiss Grand Admiral, a strategic and tactical genius. A Sith Lord, ruthless and powerful in the Force. There's no better place to listen than Audible. Get your first audiobook, like Thrawn Alliances, free, along with two selected Audible original titles and exclusive fitness programs when you start a 30-day trial with Audible. So take the time to listen on Audible. Listen on any device, anytime, anywhere, at home, at the gym, on your commute, or just on the go. Audible has free apps for iPhone, iPad, Android, and Windows Phone, making listening to your favorite Star Wars audiobooks easier than ever. And unlike rental services, you actually are going to own these audiobooks. Audible, the most inspiring minds, the most compelling stories, and yes, Star Wars. It's the best place to listen. Get started with a 30-day trial when you go to audible.com slash RFR or text RFR to 500-500 and get started. Listen for a change with Audible. Audible.com slash RFR. So as promised at the beginning of the show, we are going to be featuring your listener voicemail. So let's open up the RFR voicemail hotline. You must contact me. Play back the entire message. What message? Message after the message. The Emperor commands you to make contact with him. It's a trick. Send no reply. Hey, Jason. Hey, Jimmy. This is August calling in from Cumming, Iowa. Um, I have a question. Is it better to watch Star Wars, Clone Wars, before Star Wars Rebels? Or does it even really matter? Just wondering, looking at buying them. Thanks. Oh, wow. August. Well, thanks so much for checking in from Iowa. And I would definitely recommend watching the Clone Wars before you start watching Rebels. Because there are so many story threads that get continued into Rebels. In many ways, Rebels, to me, especially the first two seasons of Rebels, it felt like an honest-to-goodness extension of the Clone Wars. The Clone Wars was canceled long before the creative forces behind it were ready for it to get taken away. And so there were loose ends and there was further character development that demanded more attention. And so Dave Filoni and the crew were able to incorporate that stuff into rebels after a while. So characters like Ahsoka Tano, like Rex, Captain Rex, uh, like Hondo Onaka even, their stories continue in Star Wars Rebels. And I think it would really benefit you to watch Clone Wars prior to Rebels. As far as a matter of personal opinion, I consider 
Star Wars The Clone Wars to be vastly superior to Star Wars Rebels. Both are great. Star Wars Rebels is really a great show. But still, The Clone Wars was something that was revolutionary and groundbreaking in so many ways, shapes, and forms. And I think the greatest thing The Clone Wars does is it adds such a layer of substance to the prequel trilogy that you'll never ever be able to watch those films the same way again once you've consumed the content of Star Wars The Clone Wars. The character development within that show is outrageous and really makes, especially the events of Revenge of the Sith, profound, much more profound. What do you think, Bill? Does somebody have to do their homework and watch... Star Wars The Clone Wars before they watch Star Wars Rebels? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I, I have very little to add. I mean, I, I, I would have to be convinced of watching it the other way around. Uh, that is Rebels first. I, I don't, you know, you, you got to watch Clone Wars first. There, I mean, there, there are actual reveals in Rebels that are rooted in the Clone Wars story um, that are just not going to be... I, I don't see how they could resonate unless you've seen the, the Clone Wars. So, um, yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting because our very next voicemail uh, contributor, Matt from New York, kind of continues this sort of uh, discussion talking about the relationship between Clone Wars and Rebels. Hello, my brothers in the force. This is Matt from uh, New York. Just watching... Uh Rewatching the last few episodes of uh, Rebels with my kids, and it's really such a good build-up to the finale. Um, and I was just calling to say that I really hope that um, the new episodes of Clone Wars kind of gives us the same thing that we missed with that, which would be a nice build-up to a finale, um, even if we know kind of where it goes after that. It's really good to see how these characters and the series itself wraps up uh that's it uh love you guys keep doing the great work take care wow well thanks a lot matt you know i uh i agree that clone wars didn't get the satisfying finale that the series really deserved clone wars season six also known as the lost missions um to me watching the final yoda arc in season six where he takes a deep dive into the force travels to all kind of places like Dagobah and actually goes into, I mean, a nexus which can could be considered the force itself. That was the that was part of the Lost Missions, right? Yes, that yeah. was the final. The and that had up. Liam Neeson in it, right? It did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those were cool. I got to go back to those. Oh, essential. Essential uh, viewing, um, definitely. And uh, so uh, those episodes... Um, Voices, Destiny, and Sacrifice. Or no, The Lost One, Voices, Destiny, and Sacrifice. The final four episodes of Clone Wars Season 6, The Lost Missions. Gotta watch it. And I felt like that, to me, presented a very solid conclusion for The Clone Wars. But knowing what we know behind the scenes, we know that there was development being done on Season 7. And maybe even season eight to a degree. So there were more stories to be told. And I love the idea that Dave Filoni will be able to spearhead a revival of the Clone Wars happening later this year with the launch of the Disney Plus app. 
but are they driving toward a conclusion in in the new revival of the Clone Wars? Is that going to be top priority coming right out of the gate to wrap up the series? Or is it going to be an attempt to try to establish the foundation for a new future for the Clone Wars? Hmm. Could we see maybe multiple seasons of the Clone Wars happening in the wake of this revival and the Disney Plus streaming app? Uh, Will there be enough mojo behind it? I don't know what the motivation behind the creative forces of Clone Wars going into this really are. I mean, let's face it. Most of the people who worked on the Clone Wars were blown out of Lucasfilm when Lucasfilm animation was shut down following the Disney purchase. There were very few survivors of that purge. And uh, many of them went on to work in Star Wars Rebels. Amy Beth Christensen is a, a Joel Aaron. Keith Kellogg, uh, many big names that you might recognize from like behind the scenes documentaries on Blu-rays and they moved on from Clone Wars to Rebels. But Lucasfilm animation was completely blown out of the water and so many people lost their jobs. So the creative crew is definitely vastly different outside of a few big names who are currently working on Clone Wars. I mean, there aren't too many names who worked on the original series run who are going to be contributing to the Disney Plus streaming revival of Clone Wars. Hmm. Now, that being said, you know, obviously the biggest name is George Lucas. George Lucas is not involved in Clone Wars anymore. So uh, I think that's the biggest difference right there. And as far as Dave Filoni's day-to-day control and participation in production of the series, I think is way more limited now, considering the fact that he's dealing also with The Mandalorian. He's got a lot of things on his plate, Filoni does. So how much attention and labor is he directly putting into this series? I don't... I don't know. I don't know if this is that much, you know. Obviously, Dave has his fingerprints around all things Ahsoka. That I know when it comes to Ahsoka. That Dave Filoni wants to be very hands-on with that character. Well, what do you, how do you envision a, a proper conclusion to that story? Like, like building up to episode three, yes, basically? Yes, building then- up to the events of... Revenge of the Sith, we saw the Gendy Tartakovsky micro-series take us right up to those events. And so I always thought that that would be an appropriate, or even beyond, or even beyond the events of Revenge of the Sith. Have a season about Order 66. Order 66 will be featuring prominently in the new Star Wars video game that will make its big grand debut at Star Wars Celebration next month. It's called Fallen Order. Fallen Order, mm-hmm. which is going to be uh, spotlighting a, a Jedi who survived the Order 66 purge. I think I saw clips from that today. Is that Anakin is featured in it? No, you're or thinking no. about okay. the newest expansion of Star Wars Battlefront Two. That will feature Anakin. No, nobody's really seen anything from Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Okay. Um, That all is going to be revealed next month in Chicago. 
So we'll get to see what that's all about. Yeah, I'm. It's it's hard to visualize them delving into material past episode three. I mean, the well, beginning this, of it. I mean, I'm just trying to. You think I'm with not the Clone Wars? Won't, Clone Wars. With Clone Wars. Yes. Yeah. I'm just trying to picture how that would be done. Like, so we know we're at the point of episode three, and we're telling stories in between what we saw in the movie. I mean, I, I'm just trying to, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Oh yeah. But I any, mean, anything you see with Anakin or any, or Obi-Wan, well, you, you can't have, have to, Anakin. You can't have Obi-Wan. Why not? Because they're both taken off of the, you know, if you go beyond episode three, they're, they're both off the plane board. I mean, you know, Obi-Wan's oh, well, an exile. Mean, Anakin mean, is no you longer. You mean post episode three. I'm thinking like, you know, uh, so we bring the series up to the beginning of episode three. Yes, and if they continue, they're they're going into that same period of time that episode three takes place. But you Is don't necessarily possible? have yes, or do because you, you don't focus. Forward? You don't focus on Anakin and Obi Wan. Give us um, Ahsoka's perspective of it all. I mean, Ahsoka's not present in episode three at all. What was that series of events like? From her perspective, true. Well, yeah. How she did she experience all galaxy. that? But I mean, was she want... hunted down? Was she hunted as a Jedi because of Order sixty six? Despite the fact she had left the order, was she still on their in their in their target? You but know? don't you don't you think they have to weave Obi Wan and Anakin in there somehow? It's just like a, it's just one of those yeah. Why even continuity co- nightmares? Right. Why though, even continue it, the series if you're not going to have the main stars of the show? But remember, Star Wars: The Clone Wars would go through entire seasons without focusing anything on Obi Wan Kenobi. I remember like season four of the Clone Wars barely mm-hmm. featured Kenobi at all. Or maybe I'm thinking of season five. Those latter seasons, I mean, there was a long stretches where you wouldn't see anything from Obi-Wan Kenobi. And there are so many other Jedi you could focus on. Like I said, Ahsoka, you can, uh, I was going to say Kit Fisto, but of course he gets stabbed by uh, Palpatine. <laughs> so he's, he's off the, the plate. But I mean, it could even find a new life with new characters. Continue the Clone Wars beyond Anakin and Obi-Wan and focus on other characters. Well, that's the thing. Making Ahsoka the central point. You go past... I mean, you you could continue... Okay, so you're in the Clone Wars timeline, so you can can start to explore things that are happening outside of what we see in Episode 3. But once you surpass that, uh, you know, so you start telling stories post-Episode 3... You, you can't even call it the Clone Wars anymore. The, and the Jedi are all killed. I mean, it could be interesting. I'm just trying to imagine it. There's, got, there's like just logistical issues all over the place with it, you know? It's got to be... No, I agree. I agree. You know, I mean, I, yeah, you know... The mind boggles. I mean, it has, has, has the series already run its course? And is the attempt to bring it back something that's actually going to hurt the legacy of the Clone Wars more than help it. Especially when we're, you're dealing with a situation where it's clear that the, the quality of animation will not be up to par from the brief glimpses I've gotten of it. That animation ain't up to par with what we saw in the Clone Wars. 
Just the quality alone. Wait, is what, not what animation are you talking about? Though? Well, during San Diego Comic Con last year, when oh, they made the big announcement yeah. about Clone Wars coming back, they did give us brief glimpses of Anakin, Obi Wan, and Ahsoka. They show Anakin, and he's with Obi Wan. They're approaching like a. A, a, a war room, a Republic war room, where they're, you know, Captain Rex is standing around this 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 situation table, and and there's a hologram of of somebody, and then Anakin and Obi Wan walk up, and the hologram uh, turns around and looks at him, and it's Ahsoka. Mm. But I mean, clearly the animation is not of the quality of what we saw during the George Lucas era Clone Wars series. It's just not there. From that brief glimpse of what I saw, it's just not there. And I'm listen, I'm fine with rolling along with something like that as long as the story is strong and it continues the legacy yeah. of the Clone Wars in a very positive direction. You know, I mean, you could put a bunch of stick figures up on the screen with, with <laughs> plastic lightsabers. And as long as the story's there, it's I like don't those, care. Those animatics they would do, you know... Like the extras they have on DVDs where it's, you know, they have these these action sequences all mapped out in stick figure form. You ever see those? Yeah, sure. I mean, I would accept it, you know. Some of those are really hilarious. As long as the story is strong. Actually, I think some of the uh, some of the Lost Missions was, like, not fully produced, right? Or am I thinking of something different? No, no you're thinking, I'm thinking of-, of the cut, the cut scene with, uh, right? That was supposed to be in episode three. Was it episode oh, three? Oh, you know, you're confusing a lot of stuff. We've been I, yeah, we've I been am. exposed to so much unfinished Star Wars material over the years. Now with Clone Wars, they did release um, a, a three episode arc called Bad Batch, which was um, nothing but concept art and animatics. Uh, not you know is is kind of off-putting to that. look at it. Yeah, um, no, you know what I'm thinking of. It was an extra on the episode three DVD, and, and it was Yoda communing with Qui Gon, and they didn't they didn't have the voice. No. They didn't have. I mean, it was it was bare bones. Um, that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, but they but they it's almost like that. That's what was used for the. That's why I found so intriguing about the the Clone Wars Lost Mission was that it it had a similar scene. I think they kind of they, they must have been inspired by that idea. Um. So, but what I mean, the production. Why would it? Why would it cheapen in that way? I mean, do they just not have the same facilities? Oh, oh or, the, 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 I mean, the, you just, the budget is is half of what it was that George Lucas would spend on the Clone Wars. I, George was spending a ton of money on Clone Wars. And that actually, I think, is something that weighed into the decision by Disney once they bought the franchise. I think that weighed in a lot as far as, like, why they canceled Clone Wars is because mm-hmm. it cost a ton of money. Well, it got better too. I mean, it was it improved, so they must have been spending more as they went along. Oh, you know they were. Yeah, yeah. you know they were. I mean, the the later episodes compared to the movie are, are are far superior. I think there are three things that canceled the Clone Wars when Disney made the acquisition. Number one was yes, it was costing a lot of money to produce more money than a corporation like Disney believes they should be spending on an animated series. Number two, Warner Brothers owned the distribution rights to Clone Wars. 
Mm. Which was, you know, that's a a dicey uh, situation right there. And the third reason is because I've always believed that uh, Disney had prequel-itis when they purchased Star Wars and firmly believed that the new foundation for all things Star Wars in the future comes from the original trilogy. Which is, uh, you know, uh, I think it's not a bad decision to make, but to discard all of the work that Lucas did to maintain the saga via the prequels was something that Disney had to come to terms with. Mm-hmm. And it seems like finally now everything's they're starting to come to terms with come that. They're, they're yeah. recognizing the popularity of the prequels, despite the critical backlash, despite the fanboy anxieties and, you know, people, you know, stuff people are posting on forums <laughs> and stuff. I think the 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 nature of prequel hate hatred, I think that's really diminished a lot. I've no I noticed this ten years ago. Yeah. I was you know when the Phantom Menace celebrated its tenth anniversary, I firmly believed that its legacy was aging quite well, and people were starting to discard a lot of their hangups about the prequels. That they had when it was originally Yeah, well, released. and I think, you know, I mean, the Phantom Menace is uh, 20 years ago. So you're getting to a point now where people who were young then are looking back with a lot of fond Absolutely. Those time. Now, I mean, I have a lot of fond memories, but I was, you know, I, I was uh, well into adulthood when those prequels yeah. were coming out. So I, I think you're seeing a, a nostalgia uh, for it. I think people who were part of that, that, that is, as you've said many times on this show, that's their Star Wars. Yeah. So it's it's nice to see it coming back in certain ways. I hope they're able to do justice uh, in bringing the Clone Wars back because I think that that seems to be something that we all, old fans and younger fans, seem to share and appreciate. I think that that's where it all came together was with that Clone Wars show. Everyone seemed to yes. really love that. I mean, I, I it enhanced the prequels so well. Yeah, but I'm talking about. Back when the acquisition was made, mm-hmm. back when the Disney purchase uh, was finalized in late 2012, um, one of the first things I heard was, "Hey, you know the people who uh, the people who are in charge at Disney do not like the prequels. They do not like the Clone Wars. They don't like the whole era. They just don't like it." And right away, I was like, "Wow, that's going to be the end of all this stuff that's been going on for all these years." But I think things are starting to come back around. You know, you, you notice it in so many different ways, and and there's no further confirmation that we could get than uh, you know seeing the Clone Wars return. That's uh, that's a huge statement right there. That's a huge statement. Hey guys, it's Mark from Texas again. Thinking about the episode from last week, and you guys said something that really struck a chord. And what I was thinking of was at the end of Last Jedi. Snook's dead. You got Kylo Ren, who's the main antagonist, and you're like, can he be the bad guy now? And he's like, he's too, you know, having a temper tantrum. And at the very end, I felt like, man, who's the bad guy? Is it Kylo Ren? Is it Hux? And I'm like, ah. So you guys talking about the next movie, having to have a new baddie or new bad guy, supreme leader, definitely, definitely needs to be done. And I. So on the same page with you guys. So thanks for bringing that up. 
Yeah, but where do we go from here? I mean, who is that bad guy going to be? And 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 how can we accept a new antagonist when we've been set up for the last few films to believe that Snoke first and then Kylo are our main antagonists throughout the film. I think the only way around this is to bring the Emperor back. I really do. I mean, I, I don't know how you, you you frame it, how you make it happen, but, I mean, he is the Phantom Menace, right? He was always the guy working behind the curtain, in the shadows, pulling all of the strings of, of the puppet. He was the ultimate puppet master. So I think that makes it very viable for his return. You know, how did we not know about Palpatine when, when he was, you know, putting all of this stuff in front of us? Snoke, the First Order, Kylo Ren, darkness rising, light to meet it, all that stuff. I mean, I would love it if it was all being manipulated by Palpatine, who never actually was killed off in Return of the Jedi. I don't know how you work around it, but... I think it's 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 quite possible that you could have someone working in the shadows for the the first two films of the sequel trilogy only to reveal himself in the third. When you think about the prequel trilogy, we didn't know that necessarily it was Palpatine who was the one controlling everything. Until the third film, when he gets fully revealed as Darth Sidious. Um, Even in that situation, he lies about it and says the Jedi attacked him. Well, he doesn't really lie. I mean, it's it's all that, you know, perspective thing. Because the Jedi did try to overthrow the government. And they were working as rogues without Senate approval. Mace Windu just grabbed three of his buddies and said, let's go overthrow the government. That's basically what happened. Whether or not they're right or wrong, that doesn't matter. Those Jedi were, they were, they were staging a coup. So there's no Senate approval with this. They're acting completely rogue. It wasn't a coup. It was. No, they were going to arrest him. A coup would be if they were going to take over the government. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Once they arrest Palpatine, put him on trial. Then who is in charge? The Senate? Maybe. Yes. Do, do you think? And then, yeah. So who in the Senate would be in charge? Speaker of the House? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Jar Jar would be in charge. <laughs> I think you have <laughs> to fo- you have to you have to follow the line of succession there. It goes to Jar Jar at that point. Um Georgia. Yeah, no, I, I think I think is a uh, I, gosh, I don't really know how that government would work, but yeah, I mean, anytime I you stage a coup, you arrest the, no, coup, the, the ruling governor unless you kill him, and that becomes a bloody coup. Yeah, but you you that's a it's, uh, it's all you know. It's a certain point of view. It's I I I'd really have to look into the definition of this, but my understanding is yeah, a coup is when, um, yeah, a government is basically overthrown from within. I don't think that was the idea of the. Jedi. It doesn't matter Jedi what their idea to, was. What their actions? They were going to arrest him, and he resisted, <laughs> big time. Yes. And then and then Palpatine manipulated that situation to. to Sell a uh, you know his his spin on it, which was not was the, the Jedi truth. were trying to overthrow the government. 
No, they weren't. That they was were how not. Palpatine saw it, and that's how Palpatine presented no, it he to didn't. the public and to how the he Senate. Saw it. Who cares how he saw it? Well, he's, I he's mean, what's manipula- politics? He's a manipulator. Yes, yeah. yes, he is. Yes, he is. Right, and the Jedi it, fell right the into his trap. I'm just talking about the it truth. Does, the truth doesn't matter. The it, Jedi fell right into mattered. his trap. They barged into Jim. his office and said that they were it, going to arrest him why and it, overthrow the government. Why doesn't the truth matter? I'm just I, well in politics, in politics, especially in that situation. Just, Palpatine yeah. was the elected ruler of the Galactic Senate and the government. And the Jedi, without any real proof, stormed into his office, turned out their lightsabers, and tried to overthrow his leadership, his rulership. They tried to overthrow him. Well, overthrow would suggest that they were... They, they turned on the lightsabers. Okay. Well, we'll have, to, we'll have to disagree. They were taking him into custody. Ah. That's not how he saw it. When he saw those lightsabers, they were on, he's they like, they're saying, not taking me into custody. They're going to kill me. So he defended himself. I'm Team Palpatine on this one, man. He, I am Team he, Palpatine. He well, I look. They obviously, they obviously blew it. Uh, <laughs> they they fungled the job. <laughs> screwed it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they did screw it up. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But that doesn't that doesn't. I mean, that doesn't make. Uh, Palpatine morally correct. No, 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 no. I'm not talking morals here. I mean, right? he, he he was. We all know he he's was, a bad guy. He orchestrated a situation in order to do what he did. But nobody else knew this. And what kind of proof did they have? What kind know. of proof did they have? I don't know. Anakin revealed he had reservations, and Mace Windu had. Some the force was talking to Mace Windu, and he recognized yeah. that. There was well, I guess we'll up, never but... know what Windu's evidence was, mm. but that would have been their burden at that point. You yes, know, they arrest when they arrested him, they would have had to present their. That's evidence. right, but they never got the chance because he killed them in response. Well, they pulled so the that was on I, him. They barged into his office when he was just sitting there looking at some holographic uh, readouts of stuff. He's doing his work, you know, just going through his regular day as Supreme Chancellor. And these yahoos bust in, four of them, and they're swinging uh, weapons at him and stuff. Of course he's going to defend Well, himself. they were given the authority to do that. By who? They were not given the authority to do that. They were working outside the Senate. <laughs> they did not have Senate approval. They were working as rogues. Well, they no, they they had the authority. No, they didn't. They, they the Senate had been using them all that time. But the Senate never gave them I mean, authority to overthrow the government. They were fighting a war for them. I mean, they were essentially... They were generals in an army. Right. That doesn't give them carte blanche to storm into the chancellor's office, pull lightsabers on him, and demand he come into their custody so that they can overthrow the government, which is exactly what was happening. And Palpatine presented that evidence to the Senate and to the galactic public. And they all believed it because that's what everyone saw. That's what everyone saw. The Jedi had no evidence. Think well, about that. Well, they had once, once again, we don't. They never had an opportunity to present it, so we don't really. We don't. Well, really what did know they have? They would have put together. What did they have? I don't know. I'd have to go watch the a movie notion. Again. They had a notion. They had no well, solid they had, evidence. They had no they had line to- of connection between Palpatine and the Sith. The 
the uh, well, separatists. Well, wait a minute. No, wait. The, wait hold, nothing. Slow, slow down. Slow, slow, slow nothing. Down. They slow. had nothing. Slow down a second. What? What? How did the? See, I'd have to rewatch it. How does that scene play? Out? I don't have to rewatch it because I know it like the back of my freaking hand. They went into Palpatine's office to overthrow the the, know, the elected and that, ruling they, government they, without they, any authority whatsoever. They were they acting on their own as rogues. They were given authority. What authority? To, to work outside of any sort of democracy. Okay, so, so you're saying they should have gotten a warrant, yes, and done it that way. Well, may, maybe maybe that's true. Or getting Senate approval or the, something. I, I, all all I'm saying is that within the context of the movie and the story, wait, we know good and bad. They were yeah, good versus they bad. They were going. That's very simple. To but that's arrest still, him. They weren't going there to murder her, him and take over the government. You know this. You know this. They, they're the ones who fired well, up the sabers. that's all I'm talking about. They fired up the sabers when all Palpatine did was turn his chair ah. around and look at them. What the hell, man? You're going to bust in and just, like, pull your weapons on the guy and if, take him into if custody? They have, if they have the authority to arrest him. They had no authority. I'm, they had no authority. The Jedi had no authority. If they had the authority to arrest somebody, I mean, they were, they were militarized. They were fighting in a war on behalf of the Senate. The Senate had authorized them to do that, so they did have authority. Of course, just like any now, military. If, if this, now, I'd have to go reference my Jedi holocron books or whatever to find out exactly how the, you know, what, I don't, I, don't, I can't sit here and cite uh, uh, Republic law to you. Well, there okay? is, I'm just trying so, to, I mean, I'm it's just, just, let me, let me just finish my sentence. I'm just trying to say if, they had authority to arrest people, which it seems to me they did, uh, then they can come armed to do so and ask Palpatine to come into their into custody. But he is the he is the, the general in charge. He is the, the commander have in you chief. Ever, have you ever heard of the term checks and balances? He's nobody, the commander nobody, in chief. Nobody is above the law. And if he's doing something illegal, if he's engaged in a crime then they have every right to arrest him. But there's it's a, their there's duty a process. To do that. There's a process. They have right. to get authority from there, the there is, from so, the there is something called they had no authority from the Senate. There is something called due process. The first step in that is him getting arrested. But who gives the call to it, arrest him? It doesn't him? give him the right to uh react in <laughs> in in uh armed confrontation with them necessarily. Unless they pull their lightsabers on him. But but again, if they have authority to arrest somebody, they had no authority to arrest Palpatine. Okay. He's the commander is, in chief. This, we're going to go in. He's cir- the commander gonna, of chief. We're going to we're going to go we're going to go in circles on what, this. All right. Well, you know what you got to do. If you have because like a lot of people are going to send us emails. They're going to send us voicemails. People are going to be talking about this on Facebook. The Jedi were acting in a rogue fashion. They were working outside the system, and they were judging things on an impulse almost they had no evidence to back up what they were trying to do they they didn't go through proper channels let's face it the jedi don't have some sort of extreme authority to do whatever they want see this is where it gets so hypothetical because we're talking about a system it's all hypothetical we're, we're talking about a system where we don't know what the proper channels are 
And, you know, I'm just going based off of what they give us in the movie. And it seems to me that this system of government had authorized the Jedi to do an awful lot and gave them a lot of authority. Mm, not and just because, like just that. because, no, and just, not, not overriding because, the commander. Well, chief. it's not necessarily, but Jim, checks and balances. If the, if the commander in chief is engaged in illegal activity, then people who, who are other officials, uh, you know, who have that authority can arrest somebody. I mean, it, it can but happen. But they need to present their case. Well, that would have happened. They had no case after, against Palpatine. That would have happened after he was arrested, presumably. Yeah, but they right. Would okay. Have, they would have had a chance to give him his day in court and present their case. I, I just assume. don't. I don't believe that in the Star Wars universe. And I think he says Senate, we will bring him to trial. I think that's a, yes, isn't that a yes, line. Yes, yes. Obviously, obviously, that's what they intended to so do. So that implies due process. That's so, what they intended to do. But who gave them the authority to do that? Who gave them the authority to arrest him? It just seems like they're they're working. Well, who who gives who gives the police authority to arrest? I mean, they're deputized, and the the Jedi were deputized, as far as I could tell. Well, that's fair. Okay, that's fair. You know, but I mean, you know, I thought all, they were working. They were more like I. I always felt like they were officers of the Senate, and that they they worked on behalf of the government. And should they want to, well, there's overthrow the chance. They're not against. They are the they, proper circles and proper channels for them to go through. Would have been to appear in front of the Senate. And state their case. I mean, right? I don't know. Well, you're, you're, you know, I, I want you to, I want you to wrap your head around here, this because I know, Bill, you'll you'll here, come up with a definitive answer if you wrap your I head know, around I, this. I, a little bit. I really would have to sit down and 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 look at it deeper. You but want to I, dig I into t- those scenes? I will scenes tell you, will tell you this. I will tell you this. That that one thing is certain. They didn't have an arrest warrant. That's for sure. Right. Uh, and that now. I, again, we're talking about a galactic government <laughs> hypothetical system. Right, Maybe right, they don't yeah. have warrants. Okay, that's, that's <laughs> true. That's, that's true. Of course, you know, that's what I am we placing, have. I'm placing a lot of real world sensibility into right. the Star Wars political. Yeah, and that's realm, what you know? makes these discussions somewhat difficult because you, I don't know what the, is in their constitution. They may not have that right. I, you know, I mean, who knows. Um, I mean, I, I think they should. I mean, I think I think there's a good reason why we have those type of laws that you can't just uh, you know that if you arrest somebody, you have to usually have a warrant unless you have uh, cause um, that that is. And you have to go in front of a judge a, to get that warrant to arrest. You have to go in front well, of a you judge. Can, you can get arrested Who's on the, the judge. You can get arrested on the spot. I mean, if if you're committing a crime, I mean, if yeah, but nobody's like going to bust officer. into your office, your workspace, and not, drag you out not, of there. Well, you, on a mere notion. No. Well, you have to. It has to be an emergency, and that that is arguably what was going on here. Um, you know, if 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 they if there's if they have cause to believe a crime is is in progress <laughs> and lives are at danger, yeah, they can they can they can arrest without a warrant. But even the Jedi themselves. So I mean, there are exceptions outside of what Palpatine revealed to Anakin in his own way. The Jedi had no evidence of Palpatine's tampering with the war. Or his manipulation of the Senate, or even 
his dark side abilities. They had no evidence at that point when Mace walked through that office door with his buddies, Kit Fisto. And, well, again, again, you know, this is rest. something that gets very <laughs> gets very difficult to talk about uh, because a Jedi senses things. Is that admissible in court? <laughs> no way. No, I mean, no way. Like, no way well, is that admissible in court. No way is that admissible. Well, in it's court. all hypothetical, though. It's all hypothetical. You know, it'd be like having, um, uh, you know. Um, do you remember? Do you remember the the movie uh, Minority Report? Yes. And it was it was based the psychic beings. I think they were called precogs. That the police arrested people based on uh, the potentiality of a crime being committed, based on what the precogs were predicting. So they they would get these visions that somebody was about Mm -hmm. to commit a a crime, and that gave, in that world, the police reasonable cause to go arrest somebody (laughs) before they even did anything. But even in the Star Wars universe, you deal with a level of skepticism about the Jedi... You deal with a level of mistrust for the Jedi, which was already in place before Palpatine. It w- that was already there. Yeah. So, you know, um, just because someone is a Jedi doesn't give them authority to circumvent laws and regulations. I mean, that's just how I feel. I think Mace was acting impulsively, impulsively yes and i think he was working off of lack of evidence uh, he was he was motivated by a mere notion true he was correct i mean he recognized the evil in palpatine but he never had anything to prove right. it well but we that's really the thing though that's important we know he was right i'm not saying he acted Perfectly, obviously, it didn't work out well for any of them. But uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> didn't work out well. That's an understatement. <laughs> ah, it just didn't work out well. Mace Windu is it getting thrown out. like several city well. blocks. But, but his cause was just, you know. I mean, we know he wasn't there to overthrow the government. I think that's Who? really what brought the whole Who? Mace. But by removing the head of the government, what are you doing? You are overthrowing the government. Now, again, no, that's not. He, well, of course, sure. because he that's wanted to arrest him. True, he that's wanted to how arrest we got him. Into this argument to begin with, because he wanted to arrest him and, and run him through the proper channels by putting him on, on trial in front right. of the Senate. Okay, exactly. But the Senate didn't approve him going to do this. Well, it may, he's working as a rogue. well. That's you're assuming he needs Senate approval to do it. I believe he did need Senate and I, approval and I'm to do it. Everything I know to, to mm, suggest no, that they there had is. authority to do that. There absolutely is because it is mentioned many times that the Jedi work in service to the the Republic, the government, and the Senate. They serve the Senate. They serve the established government. But they were given a certain authority. So I guess the question is what what was the scope of the authority? They were, Do they have to go to the Senate for everything? Obviously not. They were ambassadors, dude. They were ambassadors. Pre-war, you the call, Jedi were ambassadors. But that was not that was during, during the, the war, war. They got elevated to general status. Right. Still, that's more, that's more neither 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 of those classifications give the Jedi. Full authority to work carte blanche and do whatever they want. Well, but I didn't say do whatever 
they want. I said arrest Palpatine. With no evidence. Well, I, we don't... I, again, we don't know what they're... We, they never had an opportunity to present it. A Sith Lord? So, all right. Well, you know what? This is maybe, this maybe is they definitely... Maybe they would have been able to use Anakin to testify, and his testimony would have been pretty powerful. That is true. That, that is evidence. You know, that, okay, okay. You know what? You do have a confession to an authorized officer of the Senate... Anakin Skywalker, a general in the clone army, Anakin Skywalker. It was revealed directly to him. Did Palpatine say? Uh, I'm a Sith Lord, and I'm going to make everyone suffer. I mean, who's to say that having a Sith Lord as Chancellor is a bad thing to begin with? Just because it, it, well, I mean, just because it works counter to the Jedi religion and beliefs, just because it works counter to that doesn't necessarily mean that having a Sith Lord as the Chancellor is a bad thing. The trains will still run on time. Well, you know, and, and that's something that actually powered Palpatine's rule of the galaxy post-Revenge of the Sith is the fact that he was able to manipulate the population into believing that he had created safety. He had created peace. These were all the things that the people of the Republic wanted and Palpatine delivered. So do they care even if he's a Sith Lord or he's a Jedi or somewhere in between? Do people even care? No, they just look at results. And Palpatine presented the galaxy with Well, I would results. say it's not, so, it's not just results. It's action. Okay, I mean, it's, uh, you know, the, 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 you're saying the ends justify the means always. I don't think people think that way. Uh, I mean, I think if, if they're, uh, you know, if he's, if he's <laughs> using genocidal tactics to achieve well, a Well, of course, end, of course. And of course, nobody then, knew about that either. I mean, that, that stuff was all you covered know, up. But I mean, I, there is a point there. I mean, I, I, I do, you know, can, can see a certain point of view that, that, that it, it, belief systems... Um, at the end of the day, aren't going to matter. Uh, I mean, actions ultimately are what's going to matter to people uh, in, in governance. And, you know, the public perception I mean, of Palpatine you, you at that point, in... if the public perception of Palpatine at that point was, here's a guy who's ended the war. This guy's put an end to the war that's been going on for three years and disrupting countless numbers of star systems throughout the galaxy. Palpatine was victorious at that moment. He was probably already considered a hero by many, many people in the Old Republic at that point because he had ended the Clone Wars and was taking credit for it, too. Count Dooku, dead. General Grievous, dead. The Serpent had its head cut off twice, and the war was ending. And Palpatine was riding pretty high until Mace Windu busted in with his buddies to bust to destroy that party. So, I mean, Palpatine was literally on a victory lap when the Jedi decided that he needed to be removed from office. Justify that. Justify that without evidence. Think about that for a second. They well, were wait, working no. without authority of the Senate. They were working completely on their own based on a notion, a mere notion, without evidence. It, I mean, sure, you know, listen, at the end of the day, of course, they are right. Their actions were righteous. Mace Windu was correct in going in there to try to unsurp the evil that had controlled the galaxy. But everyone else didn't see it that way. 
It all looked pretty good. It all looked pretty good. The separatists were on the run. Yeah, I mean, it's timing is everything, you know? And while Mace was right at the end of the day, I think public perception would prove otherwise. That's why it was so easy to frame the Jedi at the end. Mace going in there to arrest Palpatine played right in the Palpatine's hands. I mean, he just played them. He just played them. So <clears throat> that's a lot to think about. You, I know, are going to mull over this quite a bit. I have some very firm opinions on all of this. So I hope this is a conversation we can continue. And I know a lot of people are going to be writing us. They're going to be leaving voicemails. They're going to be posting stuff to social media. But I think this is a lot to chew on right now. If you just look at it on surface level, Mm. I think the Jedi were wrong. I think Palpatine was absolutely right to go in front of the Senate and announce publicly that the Jedi tried to overthrow the government and they left him scarred and deformed and all that. So, I mean, he's playing on people's emotions. Clearly he's trying to present himself as a pathetic public figure who was merely attacked in his office for just trying to do his job. Here's a guy who ended the war. And he should be on a victory lap. A and the Jedi. <laughs> well, nobody knows that, though. No one knows I know, that. I know, but I know everything Palpatine does is based in manipulation and twisting facts and creating different perspectives that aren't necessarily based in the truth. But when you look at it on surface level, the Jedi were, they were wrong. And, and Palpatine used that attempt to overthrow his government he used that to paint the jedi as being the enemies of the republic hey jimmy jason and i'm assuming billy mack um will be on the show at least billy mack and jimmy just uh saw on facebook you guys want us to leave messages and i just saw the news um Cooper grace did another edit thing with the trailers Oh my God, guys, you have to check it out. It is the coolest thing. Mm. It is, it gives you chills. It's an interesting way of looking at it. And, um, it's really good. Now, to talk about what's been going on the show, show lately, I really love, um, Billy Mac and Puppet Landle. It cracks me <laughs> up. It's extremely funny. Um, I've been listening to the commentaries with you guys done with Sam and, years ago, and I'm wondering, um, is Sam ever going to come back and do another one, like do The Last Jedi? I would love to hear what he thinks about the rest of Luke's journey, because I've been listening to what he's been saying in uh, the Return of the Jedi commentary, and some of the stuff he says, is, it makes you think, and mm-hmm. I'd be interested in hearing his opinion. Thanks. Bye. Wow. Well, thanks a lot for calling in. Um <clears throat> We really loved doing those uh, commentaries with Sam. I mean, they, they were great. And we were planning on doing the Mortis trilogy and Rogue One and The Last Jedi. But it was shortly after we recorded our commentary track with Sam for The Force Awakens. We had tried to do another commentary with him for Rogue One, and we were told that Lucasfilm had said Sam is not available to do those those commentaries with us anymore because he is an actual participant in the production of those films. Sam actually provides voice work for 
Rogue One. I think he may be uh, one of the voice artists for The Last Jedi, along with a lot of other people like James Arnold Taylor, Matt Lanter, familiar voices from The Clone Wars were then used to provide voices for stormtroopers and what have you. And Sam was definitely one of those guys. Um, So after we heard that, we didn't want Sam to get into any kind of weird trouble with Lucasfilm or anything. So uh, we just sort of gave up on that idea. And uh, I know James Arnold Taylor had tooled around with the idea of doing commentary tracks for episodes of The Clone Wars and then posting those up on YouTube. But he was, again, told he can't do that because he's an active participant in the production of those episodes. So um, you you sense that there is a consistency here with this policy. And uh, we, again, we would never want to do anything to jeopardize Sam and his relationship with Lucasfilm and his career and um, put him on the spot to do a podcast commentary track with us. So if if anyone's been wondering why you haven't heard Sam doing those commentary tracks with us for uh, the last few films, that's exactly why. You know, I I have no hang-ups with Sam whatsoever. I I quite honestly haven't really spoken to him much over the last couple of years, but uh, he's a great guy. He's a Chicago-area guy. He's going to be appearing at Star Wars Celebration Chicago, And uh, we certainly did have a lot of fun doing those commentary tracks with him. But the realities of his connection to the productions of those films and his status as an actor make it hard for him to then apply his talent to something like Rebel Force Radio. I I think in in the back of their heads, Lucasfilm is thinking to themselves, well, if if Sam Witwer or any other actor is going to be doing a commentary track for one of these films, they'll be doing it for us and not for some independent fan-produced podcast. So it was great while it lasted, but uh, unfortunately uh, those are the realities of the situation right there with Sam. And I'm sure if you asked him, he'd he'd tell you the exact same thing because that's what he told us. We do plan on doing more commentary tracks. We still have... To do Rogue One, we've never done Rogue One, and I got to be honest with you, Bill, the more that film is out there, the more I find myself attracted to it. I find that Rogue One hits the nail on the head a lot when it comes to providing us with the proper Star Wars vibe and consistency that we've grown used to throughout all of these years. I, I think Rogue One is the one instance where... They really got it right. So I want to go back and do a commentary track for that. We haven't done a holiday special. <laughs> we keep threatening Or a Corvette that. Summer. <laughs> we, well, Corvette Summer, that's a whole different piece. But the holiday special could be interesting. That would be the first time in many years I actually would have sat through that thing. It's uh, <laughs> um, tough to do. Yeah, that's might a tough have one. to do it in two sessions. I think Rogue One is definitely a higher priority at this yeah. time. And, and maybe over the summer. Maybe over the summer when we're dealing with a little bit of downtime as we anticipate uh, all the big Star Wars things that are going to be happening starting this fall with the launch of the Disney streaming app, the debut of The Mandalorian, the return of Star Wars The Clone Wars, and then taking us all the way into December with Episode 9. We'll be very busy post-September, I'm sure. So I think the summertime might be a perfect opportunity for us to knock out at least Rogue One. And then if we... 
have a sense of adventure, maybe we can dive into the holiday special. If we have a sense of self-loathing, and and uh, we'll dive into the holiday special. It's not that bad. The holiday special has its kitschy appeal. I was listening to myself talking to Mark Hamill on uh, the In the Cantina Star Wars Interviews playlist on YouTube, and I was listening to that interview I did with Mark, and I brought up the holiday special to him. And it's pretty interesting to hear what Mark has to say. So check out that interview, Mark Hamill, on the uh, Rebel Force Radio YouTube channel. Um, But, uh, yeah, Mark was uh, very detached from that whole production, extremely detached. And when I spoke to him about it, Star Wars Celebration Japan, it really seemed like it was the first time he had talked about that holiday special in a really long time. So uh, whether or not we, you know, get the... the, the, um, the guts to dive into the holiday special. I, you know, that, that we'll, we'll try maybe, maybe this summer. That's all I have to say. What do you think, Bill? Uh, holiday special. Absolutely. (laughs) That's a a no brainer for Billy Bay. He wants to jump right into that. That's awesome. Well, that's going to do it for this week in Rebel Force Radio. We had a good time. Great time, actually. I, I Bill, I, I got to say, I really love having you on board for these episodes when Jason isn't around. I mean, seriously. It, yeah. It, you know? Well, thanks. It's fun. It, this it kind of, It's just me and you. It kind of takes me back to the... Uh, the old days when we uh, shared a bedroom and had yes. a Darth, pa- uh, Darth Vader poster hanging over oh, no. our bed. More than that. More than that. We had the closet with the double doors. Yeah. You would open up You would open up the double doors so the closet would be wide open to the rest of the room. Right. And on the floor in that closet was where we had our Star Wars universe all set up. All the Kenner yeah. stuff. The action figures. The Death Star. The cantina. The ho- I mean, I still... It's one of my fondest Star Wars memories of being a kid is going into that closet where we had all that. That whole universe was right there, set up, ready for action whenever we wanted it. And, man, I wish I could go back and and just do that again with those great (laughs) vintage toys. Is that... We had... Red shag carpeting. We had in there? the red shag carpeting yeah. in our bedroom, <laughs> and uh, we had all the Star Wars play sets. And- yeah, well, we had the. Um, where were we we kept the boxes. The, those got those got destroyed in a, 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 a sump pump malfunction. Yeah, that was, that was when we moved the, everything down into the uh, basement to yeah. to protect it. <laughs> Uh, that was, we that was a bad the, idea. We had all the boxes, and they were all in great shape. Yeah. All those vintage That was how we stored them. They were in the boxes. Yeah. And we're, then we're, uh, we took got, care of our uh, stuff. Those ah. boxes got trashed then. Unfortunately, years later, too. I mean, years later. Yeah. It was like mid-80s. Yeah, we were in high school, I think, by the time that happened. Oh, so disappointing. So disappointing. I wish I could go back to that old bedroom and play in that closet with all those play sets and action figures and then put the boxes in the attic 
instead of the basement. Yeah. If I could just redo anything in life, that that's exactly what it would be. So, Billy Mack, always great to have yes, you on the show. Are, are you plugging? Oh, yeah. Do you plug things? I mean, what what are you plugging? What I've, do you got? I've got nothing to plug. You got no plug. Don't you have your own podcast or website or no. YouTube channel? Or I mean, everyone else. No. How about Twitter? Where can, can we follow you on Twitter? I don't do Twitter <laughs> at all. Good for you, man. I, hey, I but stay we away do from all that stuff. We do Twitter. If you haven't noticed, we have a brand new uh, Rebel Force Radio official presence on Twitter. Yes, at RFR Rebel Force. Do not ever think for a second that at Rebel Force Radio is part of our uh, programming here. Um, that was. Uh, that website was overthrown by squatters uh, from another Star Wars fan site mm. who used that account to weaponize it against us and cause all kind of harassment and craziness. So we had that website suspended, or that Twitter account is suspended. Yes, yes, we did. And perhaps we will soon find it back under our control. But for now, RFR Rebel Force, RFR Rebel Force on Twitter, at RFR Rebel Force. And you will have the confidence of knowing that those messages are coming directly from Rebel Force Radio. And we're playing nice, too. We're playing nice. Meanwhile, you can also follow me at Jimmy Mac Radio on Twitter, where I'm not playing so nice. Okay. So there's kind of that's the balance of the force. The duality. That's man. the balance of the force, yeah. right? There. Yeah, the yeah. But uh, no, we'll play nice on uh, at RFR Rebel Force on Twitter, but at Jimmy Mac Radio, not so much. So unless, unless of course everyone else is playing nice. Get RFR All Access on Patreon, and you'll never miss an episode of our bonus content: RFR Rush Hour, RFR Rewind, and RFR Q and A. Great shows, exclusive to our Patreon feed. Also, anything we post up on the RFR YouTube channel gets reposted as audio files, exclusive audio files, on the Patreon page, and they are totally ad-free. So you'll get everything delivered directly to you via RSS feeds that you can customize and and copy and paste and, and drop it directly into your podcast app of choice. So uh, do that now. Join us on Patreon. <clears throat> of course, you'll have early access to uh, our events and exclusive access to our Saturday night event happening April 13th in Chicago. That will be for Patreon users only. So much going on over at Patreon. I can't believe how incredible that has become as a resource for us to release more RFR material. Clone Wars Declassified, only found at the RFR Patreon page. That's an exclusive you'll only find there. So, at least the um, the remastered versions of those roundtables. All available at RFR Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Radio. Be sure to s- support our sponsors like audible.com slash RFR. Audible, always the best place to go for Star Wars audiobooks and any type of audio entertainment that you like to take with you on the go, you'll be able to find it at audible.com slash RFR. Email us, show at rebelforceradio.com. Leave a voicemail. The RFR voicemail hotline is something that I plan on using more and more on the show 
uh, just based on the fact that me and Billy Mack had so much, so much fun these last few weeks listening to what you guys have to say. So keep it going. Give us a call. 708-320-1RFR, 708-320-1737. And leave a voicemail message for us anytime, 24-7, 365 days a year. The RFR voicemail hotline is open and ready for you. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Radio for breaking news, links to stories, and great conversation. And also check out that unofficial Rebel Force Radio Facebook group at the U the U R F R. That's uh, just do a search of unofficial Facebook. No wait, what is it? Unofficial Rebel Force Radio face on Facebook. That's all you have to do. It's that simple. Just do a search for unofficial Rebel Force Radio on Facebook and ask to join the group, and uh, you'll find some of the greatest Star Wars fans online having amazing conversations about both this show and Star Wars in general. So I strongly recommend it, the unofficial Rebel Force Radio Facebook group. I'm in there hanging and banging with everyone, too, so having a good time. Uh, Twitter, of course, we mentioned over and over again, RFR Rebel Force, at RFR Rebel Force. And our official website is rebelforceradio.com. That's where you can get it. All the latest episodes, news, merchandise, Rebel Force Radio t-shirts, mugs, and so much more. Be sure to visit iTunes. iTunes! That's a great place to get Rebel Force Radio. Subscribe and review Rebel Force Radio on iTunes. And remember... Make them good. Make them good. Make them good. Plus, you can find RFR at WGM Plus, YouTube, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Pandora, and just about anywhere you can find podcasts. We're so happy to be among all of the quality programming on all of those platforms. It's just amazing. The way podcasting has been exploding as an entertainment medium, a great platform, it's been incredible for me to be able to sit and watch podcasting grow. And I'm so proud of all of our contributions to the medium and how the medium has grown up around us as well. So it's been incredible. More and more people are listening to podcasts each and every day. We see our numbers growing consistently and constantly. And I think that has to do a lot with the widespread acceptance of podcasting as a legitimate audio form of entertainment. And also, I think it has a lot to do with the legitimate love and passion for Star Wars that we share and a lot of people around the world share. So, always amazing to be able to reach a worldwide audience via podcasting. I never believed in my wildest dreams anything like this could be possible. And I'm so happy that... The method of communication that I use for podcasting is via Star Wars, because Star Wars is awesome. I love Star Wars. Billy Mac, Star Wars? Star Wars is the best. Yes, Star Wars is the best. Jason Swank will be back next week, and we'll continue these conversations about all things Star Wars, including whether or not the Jedi were just and acting within law <laughs> that's you know this, they, is, <laughs> this is a real wow 
It's it's quite an issue. You know, the more I think about it, yeah, there are a lot of things going on there. Well, Bill, can we follow up with you soon? And, uh, you know, when, once you've had time to really Possibly. dig into I, the... Yeah, i got to research some of the, the philosophies and rule at law at play here. The really, there really is a lot, the more you think about it. There absolutely is. So we're running out of music. So on behalf of Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jimmy Mack, and... I am Billy Mack. And remember... The Force will be with you, always. Always.